The Coco Nation Show is an unscripted, live, and interactive broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own, and not necessarily those of the Coco Nation Show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds are encouraged, and a sense of humor is recommended. Thank you for being a part of the Coco Nation. Radio Shack. Okay. What? The 80s called. Welcome to the Coco Nation. The world's first live and interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and its hardware cousins. <laughs> wakey, wakey. Well, like welcome you. to the show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, got daydreaming about my time at Radio Shack. <laughs> oh, let's see. Welcome, episode three twenty-eight, properly labeled this time. And let's see. On the panel, we've got me in the upper corner. Next over, we got Patrick Euland. You're muted. Oh, oops, hey. I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just like me falling asleep on the intro. Uh, let's see. Next up, Ron Delvo. Ron's Garage. How you doing? All right, pretty good. L. Curtis Boyle. Welcome to the show, everyone. Then we've got Marco. Hello there. Glad to be here. Caught him by surprise. Uh, let's see. Next up, Kevin. Hello, everybody. Then we got Sloopy. Greetings and sanitations. <laughs> and Ken Waters. I'm feeling particularly evil today. Saw the cat uh -oh. sneaking in the window earlier, too. Like every day. <laughs> Not half as evil as cats can be, though. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Here's a couple new scratches today. <laughs> All right. Next row, we've got Brian Weasler. Hello, all. Welcome to the show. Show us that shirt. There you go. A little, dra little dragging going on here. So. Yeah. All right. This show yeah. sometimes does. Drag on. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. And next up, we have Tim Lindner in 2-Bit Graphics. Uh, my own special dithering. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, glad to be here. Okay, <laughs> next up, we got Alan. Howdy, howdy, everyone. And we got Nick Marentes. Hello, everyone. I'm That's a big announcement today. Uh, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, All and right. it's not just that he's awake. So which color is huh. a Ferrari this time? 
Neutroid, Neutroid Five coming soon. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, next row. Neutroid got... until it gets it right. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to subtitle it. All right. Next up, we got Jason. Hello, hello. I've got my diet, Dr. Pepper, and I'll see some of you at VCF Midwest next week. All right. And last but not least, Mr. Dr. Pepper himself, David Ladd. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Please stay a while and stay forever. Have you heard that? Okay. I guess uh, uh, there's a portal over there or something. You know, we should have an intro contest sometime. What cool. do you mean? You know, give an award to the best intro. Everybody sits here thinking of something to say that's, you know, cheeky or something, you know. Well, give the loudest who can be. We make, don't make get an in. award for the end of the show. The end of the show is our award? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's definitely the audience's <laughs> reward. <laughs> everyone ends, everyone wins with the end of the show. Yeah, but Ron, you never know what will come out from someone for a intro. You're, you're oversharing again, David. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so, who won this week? Who won this week's? I was going to say this week's trivia question. Answer is Orson Welles on that stupid uh, A-Track video game thing. Uh, Mattel put out. Someone at the that stay for a while, stay forever. That was that was a quote from a, an old video game. It was actually based on uh, um, possible mission. mission. Yeah. Oh, and then on the Commodore sixty four. Then it was used in that as well. Okay. It yeah. goes back before that. Carson well, Wells <laughs> did it first. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Basically, Commodore ripped that off. Cool. So we've yeah. got him at last. Well, epics at least. Epics, yeah. Okay, Mark, take show over again. Please. Okay, I was going <laughs> to give an introduction to the chat here. Uh, let's see who we got running around here. Oh, we got Exile in Paradise, Curtis, Marco, Geek with Social Skills. So I know who it's not. Um, Hi, Sean. <laughs> Mark, Mark your voice Chris. is kind of low. Yeah, you are a bit low, Mark. Yeah, you should I'm sound not- like a booming... Guy in charge, not you know, <laughs> like well, a guy in the back room. <laughs> you know, he's just trying to stay away from us. us. He's distancing himself. Uh, tell you what, while I figure this out, why don't uh, why don't you guys take over the uh, chat uh, introduction there? Well, I figure. Okay, where did you leave off? Or should I just start over? Uh, geek with social skills, and then we got Jim Rye. Okay, we got T, uh, TJ Bay Chris, who will also be taking part in Septandy. Um, Tom Eric Gunderson, all the way from Europe. Sixie, also known as Kieran, all the way from the UK. Uh, Franklin Harris from Retro Rewind. Uh, Facebook user. That's uh, that they have to do something special to get it to show up in our chat here. So it's, it's, it's a family name. I'll post the link. <laughs> I think I saw mentioned too that uh, trying to scroll through here quick. 
David Craker's here. Uh, Mark Siegel's here. And I think the rest of the people are on the panel already and have already been introduced. So that kind of covers everybody. Yeah. Well, I got this thing up all the way, so I don't know how I can get it any better. Maybe just move the mic a bit closer to your mouth, maybe? Well, I mean, it's already right there. Anywhere else, it's going to get a little uh, too much like David Ladd. It, I think out. it was when you cut down Ron's garage, it cut your mic as well somehow. Because you were right up there, and now you're not. Well, early early on, it was real low, too. And then all of a sudden, it just popped right up. Uh yeah, Which is weird. weird. My mic is on a whole different computer. First world problems. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Are you running your microphone through a Commodore 64? No. Really? He's using a Coco as a preamp. Mm -hmm. uh, he said other computer. Which is kind of weird because I'm, I'm coming in just like another Zoom user. Uh, I'm not uh, in OBS at all. Mm, try and speak yeah. louder, maybe. I think he sounds fine. Okay. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah, he's understandable. He's just a little, just, quiet. uh, a little quieter. Okay. Well, tell you what, why don't we uh, let's take a look at uh, some project updates. Uh, who wants to go first? Well, I'll jump out there since I have no structure nice. or planning. <laughs> <laughs> planning? When did that stop? What's planning? So... <laughs> Yeah, important product announcement. Um, due to overwhelming customer demand, in other words, I got an email. I made a new <laughs> adapter, um, which will allow you to, um, let's see if I can do this properly. Here's my new little adapter. And what it allows you to do is plug an old chiclet keyboard into your Coco 2 or Coco 3. Don't know why you would do that, but you can do it yeah. now. <laughs> Um, actually, someone had a full travel keyboard for an early model Coco one they want to read. It, so this lets them do that. So uh, anyway, yeah. I made I made one. I made two. So I have at least one for anyone who might need one. <laughs> I'll never run out. Um, then I have another. Oh, don't send me away yet. I'm still playing. So I have a new product uh, idea that I wanted to show everyone. Um, and I'm going to call them PB Splats. Just uh Dip them in some hot coffee, attach them to your forehead, and you can look like a real hacker, just like me. Check like that out. <laughs> What's that? It's it's a Star Trek. Uh, oh, is that the, what Curtis did? Terminator yeah, that, that looks that like me trying to solder, and I keep missing. And yeah. uh, you know, if you if you want uh, if you want custom ones, we we do have custom ones. We have a splat as a pancake. That's <laughs> one you can get, or my my soul creature, Bill the Splat. Oh, wow! Mm. I really like Bill the Splat. I think I'm going to wear mm. him to the Coco Fest. Look, so can you guarantee like shots? Can you guarantee that each and, and uh, every one's exactly the same? Or no, they're they're just random crap. So oh, this okay. was just custom. A fun thing. They're each yeah, unique. Right. So so there you go. And uh, now, you know, I used to the like <laughs> Yeah, I used to make them with hard drives. Are you going to be with us by the end of the show? <laughs> okay, Sloopy next, then Nick. So, has have, have any of us uh, soldering types have ever gotten lead poisoning? We should have. No, <laughs> not it's, it's not. The, the fumes are rosin fumes, so you might get some kind of rosin fuse poisoning. Yeah. But actually, getting lead out of solder is a lot more difficult than you think. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I've I've bit my solder. I've I've handled the solder. I've 
you know, done everything with it since I was so right before now. I was a teenager. So I've been using it since then. Of course, that might uh, may, I think that, that might a lot, that <laughs> might be why lot, yeah. the way I am. Hmm, yeah, maybe. Yeah, we all are the way we are. Recommended to eat solder. I just got I just got a new roll of solder here, and it's got all these warnings on it. Like, do not eat. Wow. Yeah, Frank Canera says, unless you lick it, it's usually not a problem. <laughs> I use leaded paint from uh, the time I started lettering signs until 2002 or three, when they changed it. Are you and, guys saying uh, I should give up my milliner hobby? <laughs> well, yeah. that's okay. Yeah, when, when I was a great. teenager, I used to play with the, uh, my dad had a jar that he would stow all of the mercury from the uh, thermostats in. And I used to play with the dump some out in my hand and I played with it for hours. Oh, <laughs> that, that, that explains that, that explains even more, David. Isn't that what that does? Yeah. They, they became mad as a hatter. So evidently, the fix was the kind of drink that you use. Yeah. That sets you up. You're supposed to say, yeah, that's right. Okay, so yeah, that's right. <laughs> Did I, did I hear Sloopy has a project update? You're up, Sloopy. I do. Okay. Uh, um, I didn't hear that. Rick, Rick how is my project update? Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday? Yes. Okay. Along, along with the photon torpedoes. Yes, my project update is the new... Um, Coco 3 and Coco 2B uh, drive wirelessly boards will be premiering at uh, VCF Midwest. And that's and, next weekend. Yes, that's next weekend. And there's a special surprise on them that uh, will be uh, announced at VCF Midwest. Oh, it better not be what I'm thinking it is. Yes, it is. Oh, fudge, <laughs> I'm in trouble. What oh, are you I'm thinking it is? <laughs> We'll, we'll get the details next out. week here. <laughs> okay. Actually, are you guys going to be able to pop in and uh, give us some updates from the from the show? Any one of you that are attending? Um, yeah, because I'm giving Ken my phone so that he can actually do something kind of streaming like. Because evidently he had issues with his phone streaming last year, and I I have no problems with my phone streaming. It's just that uh, the source content is uh. I didn't have any problems with uh, streaming last year. I just tried to log in and my phone completely erased Zoom. Yeah. Well, that's a problem so, in streaming. No, there was no streaming involved. It was just it erased. <laughs> never got that far. Yeah. <laughs> so my phone doesn't have any problem with it because, I mean, I reported from VCF East before and such. So my problem just has a source material problem. And I think that if I give it to Ken, that'll fix that problem and everything will be good. Cool. I just want to make sure we have some representation out there since a fair number of you are going this year. So I'm sure Grant will be out there streaming. <laughs> yes, probably. Uh, or so uh, will I. I'll be annoying a few people like Adrian, AJ, hmm, Taylor, and Amy. maybe Ben Heck. Basically, everyone. Eight bit guy. Brian, are you ready? No, normally I try not to annoy him. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Hey, big guy bites. 
Okay, you're up, Brian. Okay. Um, first of all, here I got a few uh, little things, and then I'll then I'll show you the bigger thing I was going to share with everybody. Uh, let me switch cameras here. Um, boom. There we go. Some of you have probably seen uh, this series of books. Yeah, Ken, didn't you do a video on these? Or is that a different series I'm thinking of? Yeah, I did. I have uh, two of them. I think there's three books. I have two of them. So, um, so and and as you can see here, they, they've they used the uh, in proper, proper spelling. Oh, the proper color. spelling of color. <laughs> color computer. So, uh, uh, there are several in the series. I finally got the, the, the last one, I think. I need to double check, though. But uh, this one here was 628,000. And uh, this one's like, you know, the uh, fantastic games here. Then uh, the next one in the series uh, was Space Adventure. Uh, the part number is the 8001. And then the one that I just recently got is this one here. This is 8002. What else you can do with your TRS-80? So is that just Coco or is that all TRS-80s it's talking about? Um, I believe it's it's mostly... It, it does say color computer in the yeah. top banner, and then it yep. says just TRS-80 on the part of the titles. So yeah, I'll have to through it, though, but I think it is geared... Is it, it? I think it is primarily geared towards just the color computer. So yeah, and then there's a uh, fourth one here. Uh, oh. This one here's the the color. It's the exploring the TRS-80, and then uh, I believe this is the last one in the series. This one's the programmer's handbook, and you can see here it's about twice as thick compared to the other ones there. So this one's a this one I've had. This one is a somebody used it. They uh, he had little insert cards. I just kind of left them in there. I didn't really throw them away, but, uh, um, but yeah, I think there's, I think this is all of them. I, I'd have to go double check to see if there's any more in the series, but, uh, I, uh, I recently got, uh, whoops, where to go. Evidently uh, they didn't here. know what the color computer looked like. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that there. It was a nice little series of books. Hmm. But, What's the uh, back yeah. look like? Kind of gather half of the stock stuff. footage they put on the front. <laughs> I think that last last book is just a compilation of all the other books, isn't it? Um, it it may. I haven't got into detail with them yet. I do want to look a little bit deeper, but uh, yeah, that may be the case. But uh, ping me at a later date, Ken. I might be able to help you out with some of your missing ones. Oh, okay. Or at least let me know which ones you do have. So I just have the first two, the space and uh, fantastic games, space games and fantastic games. Whoops. I got them out of sequence here. Sorry. You got the, uh, you got these two here then the, the space adventures and the fantastic games. Okay. Okay. So, yep. Let's, and I didn't, let's... I knew about one of the other two. I didn't know about the, the exploring the Terra city. I hadn't seen that one before. Okay. Well, we'll see what I see what I have here. I might be able, I have a couple, a uh, couple extra ones. I don't know which ones I have. I know I have a couple extras, but uh, maybe I can help you out. On the price sticker, it doesn't tell where they were sold from, does it? No, it just says Radio Shack. I bought mine in a Radio Shack in North Battleford, Saskatchewan. <laughs> I think they all do have the price tags on them. Uh, this one here doesn't. So anyway, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of share that one there because I think I might have completed the series. I need to, to look and see, but I believe that is the case. Okay, then uh, the other thing I want to share, uh, why, I was why I was wearing the the Dragon... Uh, t-shirt is uh, this might look familiar to some of you. Yeah, I got one. I got one. Well, the reason why I'd be more familiar is if you watched um, uh, AC 8-Bit's recent, most recent video. Hmm. This was the star in the show. This is the one that I had sent him. 
and uh, he did his testing with his uh, Coco DV, and uh, he sent it back along with. I also sent him a my my Dragon Thirty Two because he wanted to do some testing with that. Um, but this is the one that he. Uh, this is the one that you see in the video, uh, his most recent video there. Um, I I purchased another one of his uh, DVs and I asked him to go ahead and install it, and that's what he kind of talked about there. But I was going to go ahead and take the cover off here. And uh, when you watch the video, he goes into much more detail. But uh, I'm not sure how well it stands out in here with the green board. But what I got my fingers on right here is is his board right here. Just blends right um, in. Yep, it does. <laughs> and essentially, here, and I might be able to zoom in just a little bit here. There we go. I don't know if that really helped or not, though, but... Essentially, yeah. what you do is you take out the sixty-four or the the sixty-eight forty-seven, uh, the video chip, and uh, if your system is not socketed, you'll have to socket it, um, and then uh, you may have to put a couple couple extra uh, uh, forty-pin sockets on, yep, risers on it, or a couple sockets, whichever is easier for you to to elevate it so you can get above this crystal and some of the other stuff that's there. Then you'd put the the your uh, sixty-eight forty-seven into into his board. And then you put that on top of it. So it kind of sets up here, uh, up elevated above everything else there. Um, and then he does sell this. Uh, uh, you're not seeing it. Let me back out again here. Sorry. There we go. He does sell this board here that you can buy. And I went ahead and had him go ahead and, and mount it only because, and he shows this in the video. Uh, when I received this one, there was already, somebody had already done like a composite mod with it or something. And so there was already holes in the case. So, you know, if there's already holes, what's a couple more holes? So I had him go ahead and, and mount it in there. And then he has this uh, the ribbon cable. Um, uh, this uh, I think this might be a power. I'm not sure exactly what this one here is. This, uh, uh, this video is used for to, to come over here. And then he does tap into the audio here as well. And he feeds the, that uh, to an audio jack on the back. The Tano has a composite already. It's on a, a DIN connector. Back yeah, to, that's, yeah, you can kind of see it right here. Yeah. So, um, and I can't remember what this one, this, and maybe it was composite. This might've been like an audio jack. They may have tapped uh, into the audio yeah. possibly. Um, Actually, this does, because this, this has audio on it as well. So yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember what this mod was. Uh, the, the wires are all kind of bodged around a little bit. So I kind of, uh, I, I remember taking it out. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't very actually, well installed. I actually used my handmade adapter for the Commodore 64's audio and video. Okay. Uh, on, on the, dragon i just have to reverse the two rca jacks so okay um i can do a simple little demo of the video here real quick uh if you guys wanted to see that here let me uh should i get this all hooked sure. up? let me go ahead and switch whoops not turn off sorry let's see here this was kind of the best i could do blue screen of death <laughs> I just have a a a, um, a dragon cartridge in here. It's Cosmic Invaders, but I just kind of want to show the colors there. You can you can kind of see the colors though, but you can see the lining and the banding that's in there, and you can see like in the green where it says "Beware of the Cosmic Invaders." You can see how it's just not 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 sharp and uh, and crisp there. Any bit overdriven, it looks like. <laughs> so now let me let's see here. Let me go ahead and do this. It's going to go blank for a second. I just got to move my my cable here. And plug it in here. There we go. There. 
And you it's can see all the colors. Green. What's that? Still green. <laughs> it's it, it it's still it, yeah it, it's still green. But you can see uh, the colors are much brighter and everything and stuff like that. I think the output is much clearer. It looks a lot better on my monitor than it does here on my video capture. I'll I'll just say that much. Um, on my video on my screen here that I'm looking at, um, it's nice and bright and clear. Um, which you guys you guys might be seeing a little bit of uh, uh, ghosting around some of the characters, but that might just be my video capture. Uh, the monitor it looks much better on the monitor than it does I think uh, the what you guys see on the screen there. But I just wanted to share that I was kind of excited to get that back and uh, and uh, I was happy to help him out. Um, he Brian, Brian, just, this hooks up by DVI. Is that I'm trying to remember how that works? Uh, no, this is a, it hooks up with an HDMI cable on the back. Oh, okay. I think he just has the video signal. He doesn't have the sound because of that licensing thing about HDMI. Right. right. That, he's that, that, he, he's following the the DVI specification, which is the earlier generation of HDMI's protocol. So, which is the great thing. So this right here is the power adapter. Um, this is that composite video cable uh, for it, and then this is an HDMI cable that's plugged directly into the into the back here. Now you could you could take this cable here. And you could extend it out or off to the side, um, and then you can use this card. I, he might make a box for this. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember if he does or not. Um, and then uh, you just plug your HDMI cable straight into the back of it here. The inside of the dragon there is a gray color. Is that a an RF shield paint or a metallic paint or whatever? Um, or I don't just... know. It, it's a, it's very rough textured. It feels almost like 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 800 grit sandpaper. Yeah, yeah, Sixty is saying it is shielding paint on the inside of the tunnels. Ah, okay. there we are. Yeah. So this one's gonna. You guys are gonna see this one here in the future. Um, the the power board that you see here is going to uh, is going to disappear. I have one of John Whitworth's um, uh, uh, PCS uh, PC, PSU, <coughs> excuse me, uh, power boards that I'm going to put in here, um, only because. Uh, not that this is impossible, but I don't know if you guys have ever seen the power adapter for a dragon. But it's a DB9 connector, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's like a joystick yeah. adapter, and you have a really large power block. And mm -hmm. uh, let's see, it's just out of the picture here. You can see it right here. Um, and it's kind of weird because it puts out like 18 volts AC and 12 volts AC, and mm -hmm. then that all gets that all gets regulated here. Um, people have tried to make different transformers. There's been some people that have done it. Um, but what's nice about John Wiz uh, Whitworth's um, PC uh, PSU board is it's about about mm, a third smaller than this, um, but it just uses a 24 volt DC power block that you can you know buy anywhere, and then it still uses the same connector to come over to the system board. Yeah, and if it's so, a, is a third smaller, I'm imagining it'll leave some more free case space to cool it off too, right? It could. Yep, yep. This this portion here is missing. Runs cooler so, too, I'm sure. Yep. Oh, much cooler, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, and this, there's not a lot of heat here, but it is quite a substantial heat sink that you see there. So, so yeah, I'm going to be uh, this one's going to be my uh, my daily driver as far as uh, uh dragons go. So I'm going to get this one all updated with the the latest mods and stuff. So, yeah, but I just wanted to share that. Um, it's a it's a good product that he has. He has it for the cocoa. Um, what he was explaining to me is that the bus timing on the dragon is just a bit uh, a bit different than the cocoa and so he had to adjust his timing 
with with his programming there to uh, to get the video. So that's why he wanted to test it with some machines. Yeah, he thanked you in his video, which we'll be covering in the news too. So, okay, yeah, yep, I watched it this morning. So he does a nice job; does good work. That's all I was going to show today. Um, I uh, I don't have a I don't have one installed on my Dragon Thirty Two. Otherwise, I could uh, I could bring it. I have it sitting here with me. The one that he's the one that you see in the video that he used for the testing. Um, it's right. He he did go ahead and socket it for me, so I can very easily just drop this in if I wanted to use it. But, uh, so anyway, that's all I had to share today, guys. Was those uh, those two items there? That's okay. The well, thank, the thank you, Brian. Yep. Very cool as usual. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Hey, Mark. Yeah. If, if you, uh, Mark, um, Mark O. Um, yeah. In the in the chat here, let me drop this. Uh, let me hit enter. I was going to do this. That's uh, if you could post that out there. Um, okay. That's that's AC's um, email address there for okay. if you want to if you want to order from him he does gotcha. have these available in stock. Gotcha. Thank you. No problem. Okay. Did anybody else have any project updates or acquisitions? If we only have the three hours or whatever, I'll skip mine. Okay, yeah, we can definitely have it on next week. You'll have even more yeah, stuff to present then. No problem, yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, we're going to lose a lot of the people at being at VCF, so we'll need some filler. <laughs> <laughs> filler, that's what I am. Fine. Yeah, that's that's my entire but, shtick here is filler. So. Okay. <laughs> no problem. Okay. That's the secret of the show is filler. I mean, we just yeah. waste, you know, Come three to five hours fill. a week. I didn't mean that in a negative way. My apologies if I came okay. across that way. I'm Bondo. That's all. So we're we ready for the game Rondo on results. Rondo Bondo. <laughs> what was that, Mark? Game on results. Sure. Okay. Can you wake? What? Huh? 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 Is the news <laughs> over? Oh, uh, not yet. <laughs> but you're up. No, I'm back in Canada. Welcome, everybody, to the Coco Nation Game On Challenge of the Week results video. This week we played Space Marauder. We had a total of 19 participants. They were Mark B. with 800, Mr. Evil Dead, 2010, Ed Rhodes, 2460, Mr. Dave, 6309, 2470. TJB Chris, 2940. Rich N, 3700. Henry, 4130. Sabhead, 4140. David Craker, 4150. Buck Owens, 4170. Damon Beals, 4230. Canadian Retro Things, 4560. Sloopy Malibu, 4690. Coconut Bob, 52.90. Jim Rye, 55.50. Weisler B, 57.70. 
Shenley, 8,000. L. Curtis Boyle, 85.70. And this week's number one score belongs to, and I might add the only one to break 10,000, Tasman with 10,650. <laughs> Thanks, everybody that played, and we'll see you again next week. Yay, Curtis is number two. It is Curtis is number two. I think that's the first time ever I've gotten in the top five. Impressive. Okay, before we jump into that, I have to give an apology to Mr. Evil Dead for last week's scores. I missed his final submission. And rather than third place, he should have been in second place with 15,800 on Hopman. Now, back to Space Marauder. <laughs> um, yeah, I couldn't find any uh, reviews in um, any of our any of the magazines that I uh, frequent about it. So, yeah, if you would have found any, they would have been in one of the Australian ones. Yeah, I was thinking this was probably just available at Aus- in Australia at the time. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So. And New Zealand, but yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, Nick never sent me any uh, reviews of this game, so he's dropping the ball. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I failed. Actually, Nick can review it himself as a fellow Aussie and, and a friendly competitor of Craig Stewart. But, You're um, up, <laughs> yeah. yeah that, what, what did you think just, of the game, Nick? Just, uh, just to get an Australian's point of view since uh, it was actually very on good. sale. It was very good for back in the day. It was one of the, or with the first vertical shoot 'em up on the Coco 3 that used the uh, Coco 3's graphics at the time. Um, very well done. Well drawn. All the graphics, sound effects, local to my town. That was Craig in your town? I didn't know that. Yeah, he is. One yeah. of the things to definitely remember about it too is this was a submission to a contest, so it wasn't yeah. by a professional game maker. Yeah, the contest, I can't remember if it was Australian Rainbow or Australian Cocoa at that time. Australian Cocoa, yeah. But uh the the first prize, if I remember correctly, and I looked at this a long time ago and I didn't get time to look at for it again here for the show today, but I think it was a five hundred dollar first prize plus you got published through Tandy and got royalties based on that. It was a, so, yeah, our competition being held by the magazine in conjunction with with Tandy. So Tandy were also sponsoring the uh, competition, and whoever won would get their game included in a Christmas uh, Coco Three pack. Like uh, you get a computer. I think we've got uh, there was a video actually of the um, Tandy ad showing the box. Yeah, where they have uh, everything was, in the box that they're pulling yeah, off. Of the yeah, yeah, like have joysticks and, and a cassette recorder or something like that. Yeah, or? that's right. And there was a Marauder in there as well. That was the that was the deal. You got you got a um, you, Tandy got to sell your program. Um, it was a pack in game. There was a yeah. There was it was a couple of pack in games that or programs that they had in there. Yeah, some Marauder educational stuff that. and. Some educational stuff. So yeah, that 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 stuff went straight in the bin. And um, <laughs> well, you, you got play, free discs out of it you, or cassettes. You, right. <laughs> you play Marauder and my donut dilemma. And you didn't enter was, the contest because you didn't know it existed at the time. I didn't, and I won. Well, I was <laughs> one of the winners. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that was sort of uh, just just happened that way. 
but Marauder was the official winner of that competition. And that was the second year in a row, I think, Cricket won, because he'd run for Pursuit the year before, which is his very first Coco 3 game. Yeah, yeah. So, I much prefer well, Marauder over Pursuit myself. Yeah, but. Marauder was uh, was a better game. Well, it's the, more the game I kind of like. But you can see he was getting better over time. You know, he did, he did the uh, Pursuit first. A year later, he was uh, learned more about the Coco 3, and uh, he gave us Marauder. And yep. you just liked it because it didn't have a green background, right? Yeah, I always like it when it's not just uh <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't even like the white green. border, never mind the green one. Yeah, no, I like no border. So um, basically addressing a couple of the things that people were complaining about on this game, um, I guess some people found it a little bit too repetitive. Considering there's only really two. <laughs> yeah, hi, Buck. There's only two screens. And if few i think buck was the main person that complained about that and then a few people complained about the hit detection on your power-ups and uh curtis you had been you had explained in the uh comments yes, there that too you well in the with the um like those blue comet things they have to yeah, hit and, the front and of the your ship yeah. they have to hit the front of your ship if you don't hit it with the front of your ship then you don't and it I just passes a, right on by that's I think that's what a few people were complaining about is they'd come over top of it, but it had already passed the front of their ship and yeah. Yeah. And the other thing was the kind of randomness of the uh super shot on version two, I think. Yeah, that's a little bit of an odd one too. Um it would just seem to kick From in at times. What I what I kind of noticed is that whenever you picked up a power up when you were almost full power, that's when it seemed to kick in. Oh, okay. That would make some sense then, because otherwise it's just wasted, right? If you're yeah. already full. So you get a bit of a bonus of being able to use the, the triple lasers or sweep of yeah. lasers. So I think kind of the triple lasers took the place of your energy overfilling. That's kind of my Until your power went down to a certain level? or Yeah. So once it started uh, dropping again, like uh, when the uh, bar started dropping, then uh, your extra shooting just turned off. Okay, that makes sense. I, think, I, I, I didn't know that, but yeah, that's, that's a good good point. I think. I mean, sounds good to I, me. I didn't uh, test the hypothesis a lot. I just kind of noticed that. Also, Tasman, like we were all looking at the fact that the the score on screen while you're playing is only four digits. And we're going, oh, is it going to wrap back to zero? And nope. then Tasman figured out, nope, it actually adds an extra digit. <laughs> But all in all, especially for a magazine contest, I think this was a really good game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. once you read the manual and you, you learn the limitations, like you to destroy an asteroid, you have to hit a dead center. It tells you that right up front in the manual. And there's a little divot yeah. you can see there. I mean, if you just pick up the game and try playing, you're going, why the heck is every shot just ricocheting sparks off and not you know, doing anything? Well, first of all, go try to shoot an asteroid. It's not that easy. Um in, in real yeah, life, you got discovered. You've got to get a team of oil drillers up to precisely put a nuclear bomb. <laughs> well, I was talking like even the real one NASA did recently, because that didn't perform as expected either. <laughs> I did like the explosions. I thought that was... Uh, yeah, the explosions were nice. quite... Yeah, the good. particle barrage. That came off of basically everything. <laughs> yeah. The sound the effects only, uh, were good. Sorry, the only, re- 
The only request that I would have is that if there was a way that uh, maybe every so often it would drop, uh, drop a uh, like something like a a shield booster or something like that. Yeah, a shield maybe, regenerator. Something where maybe some scores you could you could have a longer gameplay if there was a way you could uh, you know add to your add to your shields because basically you what you see is what you get and once it's gone you're it's gone. It was designed to eat your quarters. Yep. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> I quite I quite like the game. I um, I played it a fair bit when I first discovered it, which wasn't too long after Nick got kind of back into things because I can't remember who found it, but it started floating around again. And I think the first version I had was hard coded for PAL, so if you try to run on NTSC Coco Three, would just start moving the screen up, and you could either vertical hold it or I just went and patched it for how it set up the gimme. But then there was end up being three versions floating around. I'm not sure what the differences are between all of them. But yeah, the monotony of it, I mean, it's a 128K Coco 3 game. It was, you know, for a contest, so he probably didn't, you know, think of a lot of compression techniques and stuff. And he's got some pretty detailed graphics in there. Uh, but it's got the basic two two main screens. You've got the asteroid belt that you're going through, and then you've got the Marauder itself firing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a bad game, but definitely it could use one more screen, but... There's no boss aliens or anything, right? Well, the Marauder is well, kind Marauder of the boss, but basically, the oh, boss right. or, yeah. Or even if That's you every... killed after you kill the Marauder a couple times, you get an even harder boss or something like that. Something to work forward to, or you go play Gunstar. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a six or a nine, hint, hint. Yeah, I guess from a tip when we were talking about this when we were playing it uh, online there. Um, like with, when you go to get the Marauder to uh, to move up on the screen and get underneath it there, it's a little bit easier to, you know, get more shots rather than you're staying down low. Yeah, and then kind of move the same direction as the Marauder so you can actually hit his center point multiple times instead of just hitting him once or twice when you're firing a barrage. Because then you can take care of him within a couple sweeps back and forth, basically. Combined with what Brian said of flying up towards him so your shot distance is much smaller so you can fire up more shots. Other than that, I don't really have any tips and tricks except uh, maybe add rapid fire to your joystick. (laughs) (laughs) Don't die. But for one of the very first vertical shoot-em-ups on the Coco 3, it was pretty good at the time. Yeah. I mean, I definitely wouldn't have been disappointed if I'd paid money for it. And let's face it, that's high praise from Nick. That's something that he didn't write. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've got my copy. I've got a copy of it. <laughs> As in, not a copy. I've got the real copy what? with, uh, with the instruction yeah. sheet. So everything. Is it the same as the one in the archive? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, like I've got an actual physical copy, a real one from back in the day. Was it a disc or a cassette? It was a cassette, I think. Yeah, because I think that Christmas bundle again. was cassette based, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think they were all cassettes back in the day, yeah. We used to have a, a Tandy Australia commercial somewhere with the Christmas bundle in it. I don't that's know if right, you yeah, that's right. Earlier. Yeah. Jeez, yeah, Jason, yeah. Way, to, way to catch up on this. Uh, I was napping earlier, I'm sorry. <laughs> and my cat's trying to strangle herself on my cords. <laughs> <laughs> 
does Mark Mark have all the commercials that we uh, used to have before? Or yeah, he'd, I do. He'd be, in, he'd be in there. He'd be in one of the pile of uh, ads or whatever that you've got there. There's like ten different um, uh, ad segment things that can be run. Yeah, it's just a matter of finding which one. But I know and then the you got to go through the multiple ones in, in each one too, because they aren't yeah. they pre-merged into blocks? Because yeah, yeah they're, they're probably pre-merged. Yeah. Yeah, I've got them. Uh, I do have them all separate, and I merge them together. Uh, everyone, you know, once in a while, rotate them. Um, why don't we try this one? Okay. See if I can make this work. Abracadabra. And why do we not have any sound? Oh, because it's downturn. Yeah, that might be it, actually. That, there that it is. That is it. Yep. Uh, that is it, yeah. Yeah, they, they wear paper hats at at Australian radio. That's show. right. Yeah, a very special that, price. Bu- this family computer. A bunch of goons. Yep, and pause there. Now, <laughs> uh, well, you can see Donut Dilemma, but um, which one's the Marauder? I don't see it there. It should have been a full size one if it was there, unless this is a different year. Maybe this is the Pursuit years. Well, I'm not sure. Yeah, what are those two cassettes at the top there? Ah. Uh, that was that was the bundle that that yeah donut dilemma was in obviously but it might have been one of the two up the top there. So now for the next forty minutes we're going to go by through this video <laughs> frame by frame like it's this <laughs> that's right like it's no, through the film zoom in. But the now, thing no, is um I've got enhance. a package because enhance 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 uh, enhance uh, can you enhance darn, don't have an enhance button. Oh, they even gave oh. you the pen to rewind the cassettes with. Yeah. <laughs> wow, amazing. I could actually find it in that length of time. I'm amazed. It's yeah. almost like you prepared. <laughs> I said almost. We always plan the shows, don't we? We plan to have a show. I don't know how well planned they are. Anyway, somewhere, to plan. somewhere in that bundle was uh, Space Marauder. Yeah, one of their Space Bundles, anyway. Yeah. Because, Nick, you had two bundles, didn't your Space Intruders get in a bundle, too? No, no, it separate? was only Donut Dilemma. It was sold oh, okay. separately. I mean, it, I, I thought it was a good game. I mean, yeah, if you're used to more modern stuff or... You know, even later Coco Three stuff, you get a lot more screens, etc. Yeah, more variety. But this was a you know, a contest winner. It wasn't uh, you know some software warehouse with a bazillion staff. So, and it, graphically, it really did show off the Coco Three quite well. I thought, especially with all the particle yeah. explosions, that was a pretty busy was, screen yeah. when you get going. I agree. And the well, other game. A... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, go on, go. No, nothing. No, I was just going to jump over to the other game we were playing this week. So if you have anything else to say about Space Marauder, say it now. Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Going, going. I did, I did see a noticeable lack of number of players. So I think we're going to have to do something about that. A noticeable lack of the number of players? Yes. Neutral I thought we had a really full house this time on the live show, didn't we? I think we could have done better. 
Well, we had 19 participants in this week's one. That's one of the best ones we've had uh, in a while. That's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. that's not bad. Yeah. We can do even better. Well, now that yes. summer holidays is ending for people and people are, you know, not, you know, done buying school supplies for the kids and stuff, maybe it will pick up. Yeah, now that they don't have to uh, spend money on school supplies, they can spend money on the free games we play on Coco Nation. Guaranteed or your money back. <laughs> and the other game that we're playing is uh, Cuthbert Goes Walkabout. Which is um, a originally a dragon game that got resold game. by Tom Mix in North America. Yep. And it's a clone of uh, Amadar. Amadar. I just keep thinking about the ColecoVision version, which is Pepper 2. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, you basically you walk around, you have to fill walk around each square to fill it in. It's a pretty simple game, but. And you can jump. That's one thing that might not be yes. split in office. But you can only jump when you're going horizontally. Horizontally. Which is just weird. And the hit detection is weird because uh, it's two-dimensional hit detection. Yes. That was one thing I noticed that I did not like at all. Yeah. They're trying to visually represent 3D, but it's it's actually implemented as 2D. I like to think of it as when you're going horizontally, you're walking across a girder. And when you're going vertically, you're climbing up something. So... Yeah, and you can't jump while you're climbing. Yeah, you can't jump up. Well, you can't jump while you're climbing, and uh, that's kind of how I thought of it too. Yeah, if something's above you, just above, like at head level for you, it still hits you because it's right there. Yeah, I guess there, Sloopy. All right, I'll give you that one. (laughs) Also, if you complete a couple of screens, it changes the color set too. So there's your variety. (laughs) And you get more and more uh, whatever the monsters are called coming at you. And if you die, you actually, they have less monsters. It actually yeah. drops the difficulty of the game down a bit the so you can kind of recover. You can actually, uh, on the first level, if you just die, 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 then all of a sudden there's not, no creatures on the screen. So you just walk around. and Yeah, until the timer runs out and you start getting creatures again. Yeah, That's where I got all my points. <laughs> <laughs> Did you beat Yeah, the that was level? one of the ones. It was one of the very few that was released originally on the Dragon that the North American publishers looked at and said, that's good enough. I think we'll start selling it in the States. And Tomix got the rights to that as they did to Nick's original Neutroid too, though. Nick had no idea this was happening because it was not done through him. Mm-hmm. And actually uh, just this morning on discord, who was it that posted this? Bosco. Somebody named Bosco? Not sure. Oh, that's that uh, Steve Bamford, isn't it? The guy who did um, Flappy Bird, Flagon Bird. Okay. Um, anyways, he po- he uh, posted a thing from uh, Europe called the Cuthbert Chronicle. So it's got uh, and it's got a um, interview in it with the uh, author of this game, who unfortunately passed away in 2019. So, oh, what's oh, the guy's name? Yeah, Steve uh, Back. Yeah, Steve Back. Back? Yeah, B-A-K. I don't know if I have that on my website, so I'm going to write that down so I can update that just in case I don't. Anyways, it's it's actually, Curtis, if you haven't read this, it's quite an interesting uh, magazine. It's yet. full of lots of stuff about Cuthbert and the different uh, um, 
systems that it was available on and it's even got an ad in here i'm just trying to find it yeah, if you can share that on the screen because yeah, that's a static yeah. picture it should be easy to share and Let then mark can zoom it up see, see if i can find the huh what that's all right <laughs> back to sleep, mark. <laughs> cats please attack mark and wake him up he, he uh, he's just uh, the driver he <laughs> let him sleep <laughs> in in the chat there's a question from Tom Eric Gunderson. Okay. Uh, I would answer, but I chat. can't. <laughs> yeah, basically, he's asking Was it sold as Cuthbert Goes Walkabout in the US or did it get another name? Uh, uh, it was Cuthbert Goes Walkabout, I believe. Because I don't Back. think they changed the. Um... I don't think they did, but honestly, I don't remember. Here, actually, I, there's, I, a, there's an. Um, well, we did. Just uh, going to share something here. Oh, what happened? Shared the wrong window. It looks like sharing Discord. Yeah. What? What the heck? Why didn't they, they ask did me not, what I wanted to share? They did um, not change the name. I I just loaded up the Tom Hicks version. Does not has the same name. Discord. I thought you're supposed to protest, not disc be in Discord. There. So there's actually here. It's uh, listing some of the um, games that they uh, released. Yeah. From the Dragon 32 over to the Tandy uh, color. Yeah, I see Cuthbert in space there, but I don't see this was this was just um this was probably before they had released uh they did use Cuthbert here, so and here's uh here's the article talking to Steve Back. Steve Back, yeah. Well, on the Thursday show, we uh, did the uh, reading of the uh, instructions, and there was both the Omicro deal and Tom Mix versions of the instructions, and they were pretty much word for word. Yeah. But it does actually, this article also gives some hints about playing the game and whatnot. And the fact that he... Uh, coded this without a compiler. Yeah, it was done by a few people back in the day because no assemblers were available yet, so they just... Right. Well, he didn't... I guess he didn't even have a memory map for the uh, Dragon 32 when he uh, programmed it, so he had to guess at everything. It was was the Dragon the first version of that, or did it come out on one of the other platforms yeah, first? Yeah, he says he programmed it on the Dragon. So, it's an interesting read, anyway, and lots... So that's that uh, magazine is available in the uh, Discord channel, the Game on Discord, Challenge Discord right, right. channel. Yeah, and I believe, I think that entire run or a good chunk of the run of that magazine is actually out on the World of Dragon archive if you go under their magazine section. Well, why, don't we, why don't we have it on the Coco uh, or on the Terra uh, City or the Color Computer archive? Jeez. Most of these games are available. Yeah, people have to remember to do that. I mean, technically, any manuals for a Coco should be, you know, on the Tier City archive and the Color Computer archive, and then Dragon stuff should probably be in the Color Computer archive and the the Dragon archive. I don't know if they want to put it on the Tier City archive, so it just depends on you know if people are aware of those other sites. First of all, yeah. Anyway, also an interesting game. It's uh, it's another fairly repetitive game, but. Uh, 
it does reward you, like you said, with the change of the uh, screen colors. And, yeah. uh, one, one thing I will say about it that's a bit of a technical achievement, especially for back then, is that it plays background music the entire time you're playing. Like it, it doesn't just throw in music during, you know, transitions and changes between screens or something. It actually has full background music running, which on a Coco 1 2 game, especially back then, that was pretty rare. Music that can drive you insane, but music nonetheless. Yeah. Well, that's like Nick. Like Nick always has an option to turn music off in his games because he's not a fan of background music, period. Like a lot of people do really like it. So, all right. Well, um, anybody have anything to say about that game? Anybody? Anybody? Going once? Anybody? Going twice? Bueller. Sold. Okay. So, uh, I guess now, Sloopy, you can talk about the Thursday night game on he's game a, he's thing. thing. Yay! Game would you like me to uh, live. Would you like me to show some footage from it? Yeah, because I don't think people want to see me sleep. Okay. <laughs> I uh, Nick, I don't know if you've noticed, but in the chat, uh, you have a new fan. So I have. Yeah, you now have two two fans. Okay. Who's the other one? Uh, my stepson, geek with social skills. Oh, yeah, a fan of what Neutroid, you mean? No, just a fan of yours in general. Oh, no, oh, a lot of us general. are fans oh, of right. Nick. He just occasionally makes mistakes like Neutroid, that's all. Well, he hasn't <laughs> played Neutroid yet, so he doesn't uh, He doesn't oh, uh, make um, kind of comments about it like you do, Curtis. <laughs> but Actually... Then, uh, yeah. You guys will see when I, I show in the news here the uh, website I'm sure I did for the new Neutroid. It's it's a vast improvement. I, I can't knock the new version. Oh, good. Because, I mean, I don't want to pull out your soldering skills. <laughs> anyway, back to the game on challenge. As you can see on the screen here, there's a lot of people. We actually had a pretty good turnaround. Uh, mm. uh, but I like my derailed train of thought. All right. Yeah, we had uh, up to, what was it? Eight, nine, right. We had nine people playing at one time. With almost half Canadian content. Half Canadian content. Uh, for part of the show. So I want to thank you to all our Canadian uh, players and viewers. Now we need to improve our UK and Eastern, Euro and our, uh, Eastern European uh, content and our Australian content. And I would That's going to be a bit more like difficult because isn't it like two or three in the morning? In the UK and would, Europe when this is on? No. It's uh let's see here. It's it's three o'clock like in the morning noon. in France when um Yeah, it is it is more in the UK, morning than, uh, yeah. in the UK. Well basically yeah. Europe it'll be like a yeah. wee hours of the morning. Yeah. So people just have to learn to be more dedicated. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to also I'd also like to point out that at one point the uh, Canadian content on the show was two thirds sloopy. Ah, yes. It was two-thirds for a short <laughs> while. So <clears throat> we got our Canadian broadcast uh, permit back. We're allowed to uh, broadcast in Canada again. But yeah, it was uh, great to have people. And uh, again, we had Annie again. Unfortunately, we didn't have low level this week, but we had our uh, usual guest, and we're hoping to get more of you people joining us. Um, uh, Geek with Social Skills, I expect to see you there starting next week 
Frodo. You see that geek uh, social skills mentioned in the chat. It's just no, no. Sloopy is not my dad or stepdad. He just plays it on the Coco Nation, so he's kind of disavowing himself. Well, also in other places too, but still, that's his own fault. Um, but yeah, I expect to see both you and Frodo Jedi starting to play the games every week. Um, I, I think it will pick up. I think part of the reason is that you know people take vacations at different times during summer holidays. So we've never had a full contingent even available because you know some people take three weeks with their family. You know, the first three weeks right. of summer, and then others take in the middle. Others take it near the end. And now that the kids will be going back to school and stuff here, I think that uh, hopefully there'll be some more people sticking around. Some of us take like four months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not all of us are, are have that kind of luxury. I, I'm going to call uh, Ken the, the, the Coco Nomad from now on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was, I think everyone had fun because the games were not chosen by a random uh, person whose name shall not be uh, mentioned, but his initials are Sloopy X Malibu. Except that you chose Space Marauder, which had one of our best turnouts in a very long time. I did. Oh, maybe that was Jim that chose Space Marauder. Yes, it was. Okay. <laughs> All right. Way to go, Jim. Your, your perfect record is still intact, Sloopy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank I've got the week after next, I think I have uh, another game to find. So nope. I'm sure I'll pick a real winner. No? I'll be on the show. Uh, then two We weeks. should mention, though, because all of the hosts of this Game On Live Challenge are going to be at VCF next week. Aren't you guys doing things a little bit different? They're extending games or? No. Well, uh, no, our, our intern. intern is taking over. Yes. Oh, okay, so there's still a new game. and So. Yeah, so if okay. anybody wants to show up on Thursday night and pull pranks or anything like that, it is greatly encouraged. And who is your 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 replacements? Our Jim. intern? The intern. It's, yeah, he's been he's been our intern for over a year now. Right. Who who intern is intern Rye? Jim Rye. Jim Rye. Jim Rye. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yes, feel free to pull as many pranks on him as you want. Yes. Um yeah, because I would recommend playing like one of the Inufuto games where it's like multiple systems and have everyone come in playing a non-Tandy version <laughs> of the game. I think that would be hilarious. Unfortunately, I already chose the game for next week, so. Ah. Although we better oh, well. be good because uh, Jim might choose something really horrible for us to have to deal with when we get back. Predator. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm, I'm the, uh, oh my God, I am beside myself. Uh, uh, I, I, thank you, Nick. I thank you very much. Ah. <laughs> I'm speechless because of it. Um, I completely <laughs> forgot what I was going to say. There you go. All right. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> um, yeah, my mind went completely blank. Okay, well, uh, let's. When can people <laughs> join the uh, live game on challenge, Sloopy? Uh, as soon as you announce the new game. <laughs> what time can they go to Discord and join the channel to play the game live on the air? Oh, sorry, I'm all flustered. Um, yes, Thursday <laughs> evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern. Eastern Standard Time or Eastern Daylight Time, depends on what your clock says. And what Discord um, is this? The Coco Discord. 
which you can find a link or an invite on the Coco Nation website if you are not already a member. But I don't know why you wouldn't be a member. It's it's the best Discord there is. It's the place where all the cool people hang out. Yes, and some of the non-cool people like us. Unfortunately, we hang out there too. Don't tell them that. <laughs> yeah, scare them <laughs> Transparency. Transparency, dudes. So who picked the game for this next week then? It's I not did. Jim. You did? Yep. Okay. The one I'm about to announce? Yeah. No, I'm just checking in there. I just want to see if, if Sloopy picked another one. I might skip coming on next week. No, I'm just no J- Jim will be <laughs> choosing the game next Saturday, so... Um, okay, well, I guess I can uh, announce what game we will be playing. Um, just give me a second here. Uh, of course, we will be playing Cuthbert Goes Walkabout for one more week. And, ah, come on, there. The new game that we will be playing, uh, where is it, there? For the next two weeks, I chose this one because it has a color scheme I know um, Nate <laughs> will love. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Whoa. Does anybody recognize this game? Yes, I do. Some Other than by Mark Griffiths, I believe. Is that the guy's name? I... And it was a it was a magazine game, if I remember, too. It was like T&D was. or something. Yeah, T&D software. It was a magazine. It was on the uh, free tape. That you get got with the magazine. Yeah, it's my a scramble eyeballs. clone. In case you can't tell by looking at it, I can't tell because my eyeballs are burned out, <laughs> and they will be definitely <laughs> burned out after playing this for a while. Because <laughs> I don't think you can change the color set on it. Where's Mister Dave when you need him? Well, you can <laughs> if you have a Coco Three. You can set the palettes to whatever the heck you want. Air Attack by Paul Griffiths. Oh, Paul Griffiths, sorry, I was thinking Mike Griffiths yeah. another, he's another Coco programmer from back in the day. So oh, it was green. In, I can deal with green. It was in the T D subscription software. So and it is a scramble clone, and we'll play on level one, or you can make it harder if you feel like it, but it's actually a fairly hard game. So double speed poke. Then it would be an extremely hard game. That's that's yeah. the uh the big difference between all the levels is it just speeds up. So the screens are the same. So if you're, if you're into SM, go ahead and do the double speed poke. I think is what he's trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> and set it to level eight and do the double speed poke <laughs> and have fun. <laughs> By the way, Geek with Social Skills was hoping you were going to play Hello Kitty Island Adventure for the Coco 3. Has it been written yet? I'm not volunteering. Anyway, so that's all I have to say about uh, game on stuff. So, yeah, I will mention Over- that game in particular. The the air attack actually runs on a Coco one or two. Um, I think it only needs sixteen K, if I remember correctly. Ooh, and joystick work on a dragon. Is it joystick or keyboard? If control? it's joystick, it might work on the dragon. You wouldn't be able to select your level unless you figure out what the key um, remaps to. But yeah, they'll be there, but it won't be the the usual keys. It is uh, runs on a one, two, or three with sixteen k RAM, cassette, or disc, and a joystick. Yep, should be able to play yeah. the dragon then too. So that's that for the game on challenge this week. So cool. be there on Thursday night, everybody except for me. 
and Sloopy and, and everybody else and everybody else that's going to VCF. Actually, quickly on the panel, who is going to VCF? Like, who should we expect to see over there that's on the panel right now? I'm going. He's going. He's going. He's going. He's going. My hands I'll up. be there. Okay, so Jason's door. going. Sleepy's going. Ken's going. David's going. Rick. Is Kevin going? Or? No. I'm actually not going directly. i am just got to get stuff to you somehow. Okay. No, one, one of you. Know, yeah, one of these years, I might talk Kevin into going to Coco Fest or VCF Midwest. Handcuffs are a good motivator. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> good night, um, everybody. That's what she said there. <laughs> that's not nar- normally a Mark style joke. That was kind of shocking. Mark, do, do, do you want Marco. it with the fluffy stuff on the handcuffs or without? <laughs> Personal preference. Personal. Preference. I didn't know Marco worked so blue. I have a huge <laughs> trunk in my car. Huge trunk. That's important too, especially if they're resistive. Yeah. I, now, before we go to a commercial break and then on to the game on news and the regular news, I did want to mention there's a few other conventions coming up here shortly too. So we got VCF next week in the Chicago area. Mm-hmm. Probably already too late to get hotels and stuff. Um, I'm guessing because I know last year they were yeah. overflowed into multiple hotels. I think they already did that a few weeks ago on this one. And I think was it you guys mentioning that uh, the wait to get in. Like to park was like you had to park so like a mile away or yeah, something. Yeah, you had to park about a mile away last year too. And, and my my hearing from uh, watching an interview with uh, uh, what's his name from the VCF group, T- Jason, yeah. is that uh, it's actually more full. They had to turn away vendors this year. They didn't have room enough for all the vendors that applied, which is a first. So it's wow. going to be more busy this year than last year. By the sounds, but bigger back they're already looking tank. at getting another bigger venue for next year. Well, thank thankfully Nitrous Nine will have a table. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hoping to try to get there as early in the afternoon as I can, so that way I've got a parking spot at the hotel. Are you staying at the hotel there, David, or somewhere else? I'm staying with Grant, where whichever hotel he's got, which I'm hoping is the so main in the one. ditch ducking a tornado is what you're saying. I I do believe Grant is at the main hotel as well as. As well as I am, yes, yes, yeah. I'll, but Buck Owens is saying stay in Lombard and Uber over. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll be at whatever hotel Ken's at. Okay. Oh, I don't know. The, uh, which... Is that that one that charges by the hour, Ken? With the vibrating bed <laughs> and the coin operated oh, television. This is definitely so. went into after dark. And then there's some other conventions coming up. We should probably remind people about too. There's if you're in the UK, the Dragon Meetup, the sixth annual one, is on October seventh and eighth at the Center of Computing History in Cambridge. And hope to see a lot of the Dragon people, and even some Coca people out there if you can. And then Tandy Assembly. I fortunately I forgot to copy the date in here. I thought I did. Does anybody have those offhand? That's coming up fairly rapidly as well. Which and has actually, uh, I don't know, Curtis. Do you have it down? There's one in Toronto the weekend after VCF. Yeah, the world of retro computing. Yeah, the world of retro. Well, that's one that Frank sponsors amongst others, right? right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for reminding me about that one. So if you're in the, uh, is that in the Toronto area? Toronto, or Niagara uh, Falls area? Kitchener, or? I believe it's in. Yeah, Kitchener, uh, Canada. It was in a barn last year, wasn't it? No idea. 8th Queen Street North, Kitchener, Ontario. Okay, because I, I think Neil Blanchard was at it last year. Oh, yeah, that was in the very attractive barn. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of that. So that's going on the weekend, not this next weekend, but the weekend after that. So 
Um, and then the one in early October for the Dragon one, and then Tandy Assembly. I better look that up because I can't. I have I have that twenty nine through yeah. yeah through the first. first, and in Springfield, yes, Ohio, Ohio. And there's kind probably near, some other VCFs kind of coming up. Kind of near, be kind of by Dayton, kind of between Columbus hey, Curtis, and Dayton, I guess. Yes, Mark. There's one at the end of this month, the beginning of next month in Seattle for any computer to want to show up. I'm planning on being there also. Is that one of the gaming related ones? No, not at all. It's um, a general I, computer one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a general computer one. I got a hold of the uh, guy. There's a mailing list now. Uh, basically, they're trying to replace VCF Pacific Northwest. It hasn't happened for the last couple of years, so. That's their goal is just general show up. They said they had a Commodore one a couple of months ago. They had about 30 people show up or 30, you know, people doing displays and stuff. So, Oh, Mark, you should send me the information on that. I'll be back in Vancouver. Then I might okay. see if I can pop down at least Excellent. for maybe one of the days. Sure. Okay. I'll do that. Cool. Am I missing any other ones that are coming up in the next couple of months? Portland retro gaming, uh, October 13 through 15. That's yeah. the one I was thinking of. Yeah. That's the gaming one. <laughs> And that one you're going to, Tim? You both you and AJ or yeah, AJ and I will both be there. And are you doing a booth or are you just attending? We're just attending. We'll be throwing stickers at people. <laughs> I'm hoping to show up too. Maybe I'll coordinate with Tim and AJ. If All you want right. to really be successful, give away some free drink samples of the stuff you guys mix on the drunkology part. There you go. <laughs> yep. The vendors might have an issue with that. <laughs> Not if you give them free drinks first. Right. Merge first. <laughs> Butter them up. Put the really strong stuff in, in the vendor's uh, drinks. Right. So I think the general gist is that there's, that retro is getting more popular because, you know, some versions of the show that have been gone for, you know, a decade have come back, like the one in, in yeah. Fort Worth or Dallas. I can't remember which part of that it was actually in. But that, you know, that one's come back. Uh, the fact that the Pacific Northwest one hasn't happened for a while. Now they've got a replacement for it. The gaming expo that uh, Tim's going to, I think, is a relatively newer show as well. Um, so there's definitely getting to be more and more. I know, like I mentioned before, the VCF Midwest one now has outgrown the new location. They've only been there a few years at this new one, and they've already outgrown that. They don't have enough room for the vendors, never mind people. So uh, retro is definitely becoming big. Yeah, it seems Frank says that uh, last year it wasn't a barn, and this year it's an old department store. Is it Eaton's, per chance? <laughs> That's a Canadian reference. No, I think it was a, a Canadian tire. Now those are still going pretty good, so I don't think it'd be Canadian tire. Right, yeah, it was probably the, in the, the target thing. Town. Was it? Maybe it's a Zellers. Yeah, Zellers. Oh, that could be. Zellers came back, but it's not quite the same thing anymore. Uh, Marcus posted the uh, link to Tandy Assembly. If you guys want to attend that, that's where you get to cover all the Tandy 1000, 2000, 3000, and the old black and white tier cities, <laughs> the portables, the pocket computers, and the Cocoa. So it covers the entire gamut. So. Curtis, uh, Frank is just reminding you, you were on a stream yesterday that talked about uh, where the show was. <laughs> yeah, but I only came in very late on it. I missed the entire beginning when they were talking about where it was and stuff. So, uh -huh. And then I had to leave before it ended because some work came in. I was in there about 50. I happened to pop in right when they were showing a Coco 3 on the screen. Though I don't even know what the context was because they were done talking about it. But I have to go back and rewatch that. <laughs> Okay, so Mark, if you want to do a commercial break, I'll come back and I'll just uh, hammer through the Game On news and the regular news. And at the start of the Game On news, we're going to have Nick doing a special presentation. Yeah. Right. Hey, 
Hey, Amy. Hey, Taylor. We're watching the Coco Nation show. Yeah, we are. Woo! You should too. It's your good buddy, your good pal, Amigo, and joined by that dastardly The Brent from ARG Presents. You're watching Coco Nation. I feel like this should have been longer. The Coco Nation Show would like to thank the following patrons. Alex Gare, Brendan Donahue, Brian Walsh, Brian Weasler, Kieran Anscombe, Coconut Bob, Daddy Burrito, Diego BF109, Don Barber, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Glenn Wabke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, John Bodefkarschaller, Justin Larson, Ken Reichard, Kevin Holloway, Mike Rayburn, Patrick Euland, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, R. Allen Murphy, Retro Tech Time, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Steve Batson, Terry Stege, Tom C., Tom Gunderson, Tom S., Tony C., and William A. Thing. Thank you so much, patrons. Welcome to everybody's favorite segment, Who's New to Discord? Ian Lee says, Hey everyone. Found my way here from the Coco Show Discord. I'm a Dragon owner from the UK, I write for Retro Gamer Magazine and also made a documentary about video games over 20 years ago called Thumb Candy. Moon Plus One says, New guy here. My name is Tom. I've gotten, originally, 4K Coco 1, upgraded to 16K, then 32K, then 64K in the 80s. Now runs with an SDC and a Retro Hackshack RGB to HDMI kit installed. I've been exploring the huge library of games. Darren A says, hello. Darren here. You may know me as the creator of the Coco SDC and the MCX cards for the MC10. The previous bios were edited for time. Thanks to, Alex Geyer, Boysen, Glenside Computer Club, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Tandy Color Computer 3, and the Coco Nation patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. Just go to discord.thecoconation.com. See you on Discord. When you want the latest in TRS-80, Tandy, Dragon, MC-10, and all of their hardware cousins, no matter what it takes, or where news breaks, from around the world to your nation. The Coco Nation News with L. Curtis Boyle. 
Okay, before we get into there, I just wanted to mention uh, Fred Provence on the chat mentioned there's another retro gaming show soon in Utah, too. Is anybody aware of that one? I don't have any de- details on that one. I don't know if that's a cross platform, if it's console only or computers or what's covered in that one. Fred, we need more info. How do you know the name of it? Did he mention it? No, I don't think so. Uh, unless it is Retro Games Expo in Utah. Okay. Anyway, I will wait for that to catch up on the chat. I'll kind of insert it after Nick does his presentation. So Nick has got a game release to announce today. Well, he kind of announced it on Facebook late last night too. But And there's a web page entry on my web page ready for it as well with a direct link to his page if you want to order it. And, uh, well, take it away, Nick. Well, have you got the website? You can you can pop up the website and we can enlarge that, or do I do that? Oh, I thought you were doing it, but I, I mean, I can if you want. Well, I'm just wondering if I can. Anyway, I've uh, finally finished um, 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 Curtis's favorite game that he's been waiting for months for. Uh, for yeah, 40, uh, 40 years 40 later, years he finally for. has it finished. Yeah. He's even slower <laughs> than me. So it's uh, my Nutroid, uh, my rehash. Of a rehash, of, of a rehash. rehash, of a rehash. <laughs> um, which so is it's Neutroid twenty twenty twenty. It's something like that. Neutroid Reloaded. So this is a, a game that I developed way back in uh, on my very first computer, the TRS eighty Model One. Uh, my very, uh, well, actually, my, my, the second machine language game I did on that was uh, Neutroid. And uh, I've always had a fondness for, for for that game because, well, it's a game idea I had when I was a kid still in high school, and I created it back then. It was a reasonable game uh, on the Model 1, but, you know, I was only in high school, so it wasn't really big sales. It was just a kid having fun. I Then later, when I got a color computer, I then I thought, well, what do I write on the color computer? A whole new machine, color graphics. A new CPU. Better so sound. I thought, uh, better sound. I thought, well, why not just do Neutroid again? <laughs> so, that's, that's where the real money rolled in. Well, not at all. <laughs> well, not at all, actually. I, I remember I thought, well, now I'm going to a color computer. And I was, I think by that time, I might have just finished high school. So now I was getting ready to enter the big league. So I thought with Neutroid, I was going to put an ad in the local Coco magazine. And uh, so it was a half-page ad, ad. Actually, I should try and bring up the uh, website, see if I can. Anyway. Yeah, if you can, um, let me know. Maybe, I, can, I can bring it up too. Yeah, if you can. I haven't got mine set up correctly. So if you've got it there. I don't at the moment, but I'll get there shortly. Just keep, uh, keep hammering on. Is that the technical term? It's something like that. Um, Hang on, I've lost my Zoom. Anyway, you can still see me, so I'll just keep blabbering. Um, so I did it for the Color Computer 2 as my first game using semi-graphics, and I thought, you know, this will be the most colorful game and make really great sound effects. This this will this will be a, a big seller. Unfortunately, even with an ad in the local paper, um, nothing. I didn't sell not one copy. And if you if you scroll down, you can see the uh, there. So there's the TRS-80 Model One version, and then the, the, I did the color computer version. That's the half page ad I did on the, in the local computer magazine. No no bites. 
And uh, I was pretty disappointed because, I mean, I had high hopes for, for Neutroid at the time, uh, going over to the color computer, my new computer, and uh, it just didn't go. And really, it's the game, I, I put it down to the fact it was a little bit, uh, a bit abstract, I guess. Most people by that time were expecting, you know, Mario and, you know, those sort of games. Well, I think one of the main reasons that this this happened too, and we've talked about this extensively privately between us and even in publicly for that matter, is that you took some elements of the game out of the Tier City Model 1 and 3 version that made it more obvious. Yeah, well, the thing is, I was on on a new computer, of course, color graphics, different resolutions, different CPUs, so I didn't want to do anything too adventurous, and I thought Neutral would be a good one, but even then, I still had to I decided I'd change a few things because I, at the time, didn't really know how to code the Coco really well. It was my first machine code game. So I, I changed it a bit to make it more within my scope. And um, Yeah, most of the changes, changes were okay. I, the only one that I think really detracted and made it, as you pointed out in your, your description here on your page, is that uh, it's too abstract because the steering of the Neutroid is obvious on the Model 1 and 3 because you changed the grid to show what you're deflecting. You took that well, what, out on the, the Coco version, and that really confused a lot of us, including me. That's right. Well, maybe for for anyone who hasn't who doesn't understand and have hasn't heard about Neutroid, uh, what it is yet. Neutroid basically it's an atomic particle, uh, and you play you, you you are a scientist, and you have to control this particle, the Neutroid, which moves of its own accord. It always travels forward inside this reactor grid and you control it by controlling the grid whether it's magnetic or whatever and uh, that way you navigate it and the purpose is if you if you scroll back to the model one version the original one uh curtis there just go up a page yeah the original one there has um has the grid and around the outside of the grid are other particles I call the protroids. So you just have to make your neutroid fly off the grid and into a protroid. And you have to destroy the protroids. And if you complete destroy, well, destroy or uh, the word isn't destroy. It's it's more um to to grab their energy. You diffuse them. That's a better word. Uh, but if you miss the um, the uh, protroids. You hit the reactor walls and you you lose energy. If you lose too much energy, it's game over. That was the original idea of Neutroid. So when I did the color computer version, I changed it a bit. I don't have the protroids circling the grid. They just travel along the the top and bottom regions. So it's still the same basic concept. You have to navigate your Neutroid to go off the grid into a protroid, whereby it then just bounces back into the grid. If you miss the protroid, you hit the reactor wall behind you. So back in the day, I wasn't the cocoa was a new thing for me. So I wasn't quite so um, I didn't quite fully understand how to work within the limitations of the semi graphics modes because that it's a good mode in that it gives you all eight colors, which was one of the things I particularly wanted to do. Um, but it's got a, a few oddities. You, you have to be careful how you use it because it doesn't allow multiple colors. Well, one color plus black 
per byte. The resolution horizontally is quite quite low, 64 pixels. So there's a few limitations. And by redesigning Neutroid to Neutroid 2, I was able to crack. Well, I called it Neutroid 2 because there, there were it was a bit more a bit different to the original idea. But anyway, it failed. It didn't sell anything. So yeah. um, and even for the people that did like it, it did not work on a Coco three because you couldn't see your score. Well, you later on, later yeah. on, when the Coco three came out, it didn't work because um, um, semi graphics works differently on a Coco three. Uh, it doesn't uh, display the text part of the of the the graphics either. So back in two thousand and fifteen, I decided I'd redo it. Because I still had this spark that I, it always bugged me that Neutroid failed. And it was an idea I had when I was a kid at high school. And I thought, geez, it would be good to fix the game up and just give it, give it uh, uh, um, some, promote it a bit better. So I thought I'll just take Neutroid 2 and just fix it up so it fully uses semi graphics. I got away, I, I did away with all the text part which didn't work on the Coco 3. So I, I redrew all the scores and stuff in semi-graphics as well, as you can see there on the uh, left-hand picture. Um, it changed, uh, it did a few other graphic changes. Yeah, the other main Basically, change, I think, is uh, that you made it a joystick versus keyboard controlled, which I think I, did Yeah, help. back back in the day, I didn't know how to read the joystick, so it was only keyboard. And, and back in the day, I could actually use keyboard control myself. As nowadays, I just twist my fingers up because I, they're not as <laughs> quite as dexterous as what they used to be. So I thought some people are probably you know th didn't like the game because of that as well. So I made a joystick. I I simplified it because it was a bit hard in areas, and I called it Neutroid 2.015. Neutroid, well, the two is because it still is really Neutroid two. And 2015 is because that was the year I did this update. So it just worked out. Neutroid 2015. And yet that but was a free free update too, because it was basically was the same was game with you know, fixed for that the That was three. just compensating for for the failure of the original Neutroid 2, or trying to anyway. Anyways, it was still not very popular. So this year I thought, and I had the itch again. I will redo it. You really should get a salve for that or something, I think. I, but anyway. <laughs> I will finally mend it. I will right the wrongs. Um, so I thought I'd redo it from scratch. And this time it will be modeled more on the original idea that I had on the model, on the TRS-80 Model 1. So I get, like the Model 1, you have the grid and you have the protroids that so circle the grid. Um, it plays more like the Model 1 version. Especially and the visual cue that. of steering the grid. That was the main thing. When you added that, it makes the it so much easier cue, to connect. Yeah. In Neutroid 2, you didn't quite get that cue. And a lot of people got it confused. They thought, how do I control this Neutroid? It's not going where I want it to. And well, that's because you don't control it. You yeah, control but it's not visually, it's but not it visually represented visual. well to let you know that. The no. new version, it totally fixes the that. The new version, oh, it sort of does. In in essence, I've sort of put that the whole control grid thing more in the background. You don't even think about the grid now. You just think about right. the neutroid moving about in the direction you want. So it's it's more intuitive now. Uh, so it's similar to the Model 1 version, 
but I've improved it even more so that I make it really easy to control. Um, and that's what the Neutroid Reloaded, that, that's one of the main extras that Neutroid Reloaded had in that it, it goes back to its roots, as well as adding a few other little um, uh, light, a bit, bit of candy, uh, what do you call it, the, the graphic candy with the sparks. Um, the lightning the bolts. do a lightning bolt and whatever they call them. And just, yeah, it's just a And, and digitized sound sample, that's another big thing. Like the sound is much well, better. Well, that's the other this. big thing. The sound on the Neutroid Reloaded uses actual samples now. And um, that's using that, that technique whereby you can uh, use the uh, vertical, uh, horizontal rather, interrupt on the Coco 2 divided by 2. There's a way to make it uh, uh, take the 14 kilohertz um, interrupt and and use half of it because 14 kilohertz was too high. So I dropped it three to, quarter kilohertz, but to anyway. seven. Yeah, well, I'm rounding off. <laughs> you're you're the you're the mathematician. No, I'm not. <laughs> and um, so it's got good digital sound. The sounds are really. It, it, it really, well, we can play we can play the um, promo video, which is uh, just up a bit, so people can see just what the gameplay is. If you want to roll up there and just start the promo video, these are on the website. So click. I mean, okay, so if you hear the sound, that'll be critical for this demo. Yeah, turn on the sound, is and you'll not? see the oh, game start up. Sponsored by Einstein himself. So again, like the original Neutroid on the Model 1, the emphasis was on trying to do something with lots of graphics and lots of sound. Okay. You guys can hear the sound effects okay? Yep, I can hear it. Okay. So the white, the big white dot is is the neutroid. It's always moving forward, and if you look carefully, the blue grid in the background just flashes every now and then, and it sort of flashes in a way to indicate which way it's going to uh, deflect steer it, yeah. the neutroid to steer it. So that's all you do. You steer it. You don't actually you don't uh, control directly it. control it. Yeah. Like you can't, uh, you can't reverse you, direction because you can't. You have to do double. You can't reverse. Deflections. It always goes forward or a deflection, and you have to navigate it to go and hit the uh, protroids, as you can see it's doing there. And when you knock them all out, you get an, another round. It varies by the how fast the protroids move around the grid. Also, every now and then you'll see a big like a lightning bolt that comes from the corners of the of the uh, reactor, and and they. Uh, it it unleashes uh, those red antitroids, and they are sort of magnetically um, attracted to you. Which, uh, if you hit them, they they take some of your energy away. But if you if you go into this super um, neutroid mode, which is gained by picking up that yellow flashing on the border. Um, if you look carefully, another one will appear here. You get a what I call a um, uh, an antimatter fissure. That sound. There it is. 
so you get you get that yellow fissure, and for a short time you have the ability to knock out antitroids. And you run double speed. Move, and you run at, at a higher speed. So, and and you get multiple new uh, antitroids appear. So you can have up to up to five appearing on the screen. So you've got to avoid them because they take your energy away. Um, when it, your energy is completely expired, it's game over. But every time you do take a, capture a protroid, you gain energy. So you're sort of always managing the energy level. Um, and uh, it's just a matter of trying to go through the entire... I've got 16 levels. I was going to make it keep going. But um, I thought, well, it's just going to be repetitive after that. You know, I mean, how much more can I add to the game without recoding more into it? So I thought, look, I'll tap it off at 16 levels and, and try to adjust the difficulty level so that it will increase linearly. So if you can get to level 16, it will reward your, your you. Your name is saying, Bucker Taz, basically. Well, well, it doesn't actually say that. But you are at Buzz and Taz level because they have made it up to level 16. Of course, um, <laughs> they they um, they set the um, the uh, the difficulty level of the game. If I could make it so that it's a challenging game for them to get to level 16, um, then that should be good for anyone. Um, but of course, they can make it to 16. Uh, after a bit of effort now, I've, I've sort of slowly made it a bit harder. As uh, as they were, they were the game testers. I used Buck Owens and Tasman um, as as my main game testers. Um, I also did use um, um, Kieran as well. Kieran um, in the UK is is also one of the game testers, um, and uh, and uh, Curtis as well. So basically, that was all the feedback I was getting from from them, either playing the game or, or, or in the case of Kieran, he did he did a lot of work for um, making sure it works on the dragon, and also uh, created a lot of the disc imager uh, I- images for it. Because um, when I, I he made he makes up discs which are compatible both on dragon and Coco, because they do have two different disc formats. Or, yeah, it's a schizoid disc. Yeah, yeah. So he 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 makes up hybrid discs, and um, he made those up for me. So he's helped out. But uh, Tasman and Buck Owens, I I thank them a lot for for a lot of they spent a lot of time playing the game, um, and uh, without their feedback, uh, I, it's very hard for me to uh, to uh, adjust the game to be at the cor- correct um, difficulty le- level. So basically, Neutroid Reloaded now is, I think, a more playable game than what even the original Neutroid was. Yes, it's uh, less, it's, less abstract for sure. It's also it's very enhanced bit, on the that's graphic right. it's stuff a, and the sound. A bit less abstract. It's a bit more intuitive to play. Um, in, in essence, really, it, if I take out all the uh, the talk about atomic particles and trying to make it sound scientific because that's the, that's the uh that's sort of what the 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 back back background story of the game is you know you're meant to be a professor playing 
playing uh, in this nuclear reactor. But when you scrub all that, really what it is, it's Pac-Man. It's Pac-Man just twisted around. You have, instead of the yellow uh, munching mouse, you have that white thing. You navigate around the grid that you have to go around and collect the dots or the protroids, uh, avoiding the red antitroids, the ghosts. But if you eat the big dot, in this case, the uh, the uh, antitroid fission that appears on the grid uh, walls, uh, you, ha- you can, for a short time, chase the antitroids and eat them. Uh, so in, in essence, you could really say it's Pac-Man with a twist. Uh, if you take out all the nuclear uh, uh, guff. <laughs> <laughs> but, now, one thing uh, I wanted to mention too is that uh, you've got two different options for ordering. You get the digital download, seven dollars US, well, or yeah, the yeah, you, collector's fifteen dollar. And there's some bonus stuff on that. So I thought you might want to tell people, especially the audio listeners who won't be able to see the screen I'm showing. Well, I always try to uh, cater for the two types of markets. One is the the guy who just wants the game and you know doesn't care about media and all that. They just want the game at 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 a low price, at a fair price. So you can buy seven dollars, get you the game and the manual, and 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 it's not a big manual. This again, I've tried to keep everything simple, uh, and I email that to you. So when you when you buy that. It goes through PayPal. I get an email, and then I, because I do everything the old way, I, I process it manually, and then I'll email you out um, a zip file with the uh, the game file and the manual, uh, and that's seven dollars US. So um, that's probably the one that I, well I think most people would go for. You just get the game. You can put it on your Cocoa SDC, or, or even copy it to a floppy disk, whatever. And away you go. You've got Neutroid. Or if you're a bit of a collector who wants the um, artwork, um, I wonder if I have the artwork here somewhere. I have somewhere. I, I'm not not prepared. <laughs> Actually, where am I? Let me just quickly look and see if I have got it. No, I don't. Okay. Um, the, the software comes on a CD. Um, oh, when you when you buy the CD, you, you not only get the CD, which gets manufactured by a company called Kunaki. Oh, you found it, Kunaki, um, and they they handle the the CD manufacturing, and you can order well all my other programs as well as Curtis is showing there. But you would order the the, the CD package. It comes in a DVD style case. Uh, click on more info there, um, Curtis. Because it brings up that and, and click on the rotate case at the top left. So the back of the case is is that. So uh, you get a proper, it's all color printed on the DVD case. Click on it again, on the spine, and again. Inside, you get a CD that's color printed as well that, that has the, the same files that are on the digital download as well as the instructions printed on a color card there on the side there showing you where everything is. But as well, on the CD, when you, when you, only when you buy the CD, you also get all copies of my other versions of Neutroid. You do get the TRS-80 Model 1 version as well as the, the Neutroid 2 
which is now free on off the F, uh, off the uh, archive anyway. Uh, Neutroid 2015 as well as the new one, and they can all be run in emulators or on on a Coco SDC. The TRSATI Model One version obviously obviously needs a uh, Model One TRSATI emulator, but you can. Uh, you and you also have there. the cassette WAV files here, so if you want to play it off There's, tape for, for Dragon Neutroid or Coco. Reloaded, for the Neutroid Reloaded, I do include the WAV and the CAS files, thanks to Kieran, um, who, um, well, you can, it's possible. I, ha- I haven't been able to do this myself because I don't have a cassette player, but you can take the WAV and record it on a cassette and make up an actual cassette. Now, I, I should mention that, I don't know if I mentioned before that Neutroid Reloaded does require a 64K Coco. And now that means that is a Coco 1, a Coco 1 or Coco 2, um, but it must have 64K or a Dragon. Now it'll work on a Dragon 32 that's been upgraded to 64K. Um, It'll work on a Dragon 64. Uh, on a Dragon 64, there's a bit of a problem because there's a bug in the in, in the Dragon 64 with the uh, the uh, digital sound effects, the way they handle the interrupts. But I, um, with Kieran, we we tried it. It makes the sample sounds a bit choppy, but because the sound effects are mainly sparks and explosions and all that, it doesn't make much difference anyway. But if you have a a Tano dragon 64 it works fine it's only when you have a a british or european rather um pal dragon 64 uh that you might get a bit of a sound deterioration deterioration that's a big word um that works on any coco 3 right but it, it works on any coco 3 uh that's right so um i actually developed it on a coco 3 so it works on a coco 3 did you, you do anything with the 6 or 9 in it? Like I know some of the other games auto-detect it just to it, smooth things out a bit. It does detect. It looks to see if you have one, and it will get a slight speed increase if you have a 6309. Otherwise, it doesn't need it. Now, I I think you manually turn on. I think I had it so. Originally, it was automatic, but I, I decided to make it so that you manually choose 6309 now. So when you pause the game, if you press break during a game, the game will pause, but if you then hit, I think it's Z, I've got it, it's in the instructions, it will activate 6309 mode. So you get about a 10% speed increase um, if you have a 6309 on on any of those machines. Yeah, it's somewhere in there, I, I think I do mention it. Yeah, break, hold for one second. Uh, Z. I and mean, it looks like ZZ, is that? Z, yeah. During or a pause, Z. game 6309 native mode if available. Yeah, it turns that on. Uh, but it, you don't need to do that. I figured if, if it ever comes up on the Game 9 Challenge, you want everyone to be running uh, the similar, you know, the default setting of 6809. Um, but uh, it's, up, it's up to the user. They can turn on 6309 and get a slight improvement there. So, yes, I support it, but it's not really specific for 6309, no. Yeah, I just imagine um, it might help smooth the sound or something because it would have a little CPU time. It doesn't smooth the sound. It just smooths the, the graphics a little bit, maybe. The oh, sound okay. is always fixed to the interrupts. So that that's still going to be the same. But um, 
And that's Neutroid. Uh, Again. Neutroid <laughs> 4. Re- <laughs> rehash number 4. So my next program is Neutroid 5. No. <laughs> I, I, I think I think uh, that's the end of Neutroid. I think I finally got that itch, itch out of me now. I, 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 I've righted the wrongs. So now I can move on. Yeah, all, all kidding aside, and I've bugged Nick about all the various versions of Neutroid for years, decades, whatever it's been. Um, the fact that the game yeah. was too abstract. Once he showed me the Model 1 version and how it visually identifies that you're controlling the grid and not trying to steer the particle, that made a huge difference because then my brain connected with how the game's supposed to work, but there's no visual cue on the original couple of versions on the Coco to actually do that. That has been addressed in this version, and it it just it seems much more natural now. I don't have to think about it because I was always yeah, on the no. original one. I was like, if the Neutroid is moving up, I want to move it down, so I pull the joystick down or hit the down arrow, and nothing happens because you can't you can't steer you it. Can't, you have can't, to like deflect it left and then left again it. or two rights to turn it around 180 degrees, and then you're you know in a different column because you've had to move over sideways to get it to spin around so you have to steer it that way so that it, it's much more obvious now when you're playing and that's a huge thing and the, the digital sound effects the extra visual effects he's added i think have really improved it i think this has a lot more glitz and polish on it and uh the game, it's, it's it's a better game and now it's better than the model one version honestly yeah i think it is yeah the uh the game uh, can be played with keyboard or joystick um and uh yeah and a coco three you allow the alt and control keys to be your up and down arrows too Buck Owens and I think Tasman as well, they both use keyboards. So I'm amazed that they could get such good scores. Obviously, they're very good with the keyboard. Um, I can't I can't get anywhere with the keyboard myself. Not nowadays, but I use a digital a digital joystick and that's that works really well. Nice and smooth on a real hardware. A bit more well on my on my PC it's a, it's not so good on a emulator because mine is ten years old. But on a real Coco, it's quite quite smooth, the, the movement. Yep. And on a Coco 3, because it's got the arrows in that cluster, um, I do also support the Alt and Control keys. So you can use it as if it was a Coco 2, if you like, that layout for the arrow keys, where you've got the up and down on the left of the keyboard and the left and right on the right hand, where you can... It's a more comfortable position to uh, control it. Yeah, and you can keyboard. use two hands to do it instead of trying to cram it with one. If you're a fan of the diamond cursor keys and you can use that, you can still use that. The game works on a a, a dragon because it's reading the dragon keys as well at the same time. So it works on a dragon and a Coco 1 and 2 and 3 as long as you have 64K. Yep. And that's about as much as I can rattle on about it, I think. The game's yeah. available now. Uh, go to my website. Um, and uh, if uh, if you're just sick of uh, me talking and you want me to shut up, just buy a copy. Yeah, <laughs> play the name game. <laughs> and, and if you like yeah, Nick that... talking about it ad nauseum, you can join um, the Amigos at uh, in about an hour, just over an hour from now. The National Computer Club meeting, which they have every few months or six months or three months, whatever it is, which covers a lot of retro systems. And Nick will be a guest on there to talk about it again. So if you can't get that's enough right, Nick and I... you can't get enough Neutroid, join us there. That's right. 
So, so this is where we get to see who the real sick people are. <laughs> so whoever shows up. <laughs> anyway, and, and that's about it. I think I've bagged on about the game uh, enough. So I bought yeah, a copy, so- but you kept talking. But uh, anyway, so. I sent you your copy, actually. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. <laughs> I oh, you bought it. So He's all up. about the money. Okay. He'll ignore us before if you're, people oh, are paying him for this. Okay. I'll <laughs> shut up now. <laughs> Just for Brian. <laughs> it's already outsold right. Detroit 2. Yep. <laughs> it has, <Literally>. actually. <laughs> by a long shot. Detroit 2, the worst copy. selling game of 1984. That's right. Yeah, that's kind of, that is a bit strange to me that you didn't sell a single one. You sold, I think you said 10 of the model one and three, and that was just in a local tobacconist shop, right? Yeah. Well, that, that was, I was still in high school. I would drop by into the, into a, this tobacconist that I discovered one day, uh, walking past it on my way to school. Uh, and I thought, Hey, this is in his window. He's had all this TRS-80 software. I thought a tobacconist selling TRS-80 model one software. And that's where I discovered the guy in there was a TRS-80 uh, fanatic. Uh, he actually had a TRS-80 Model 4, I think, in the middle of the shop, uh, whereby he, he would, he'd be playing on his doing Z80 machine language programming uh, in between customers. So I thought I'll go in here and see if he wants to sell my game. And uh, he said, yeah, okay. So uh, that I, I, I added my Neutroid. Uh, and, and all my Model 1 stuff that I had at the time in his uh, shop window. So that's where I was making a bit of pocket money on the side. Saves, uh, saves selling uh, newspapers anyway. <laughs> so that was yeah. a tobacco shop? Yeah. A tobacco shop, yeah. Tobacco, he had a, a men's uh, barber in the back as well. Uh, but he was a TRS-80 uh, fanatic, you know. He was, And he was a Z80 machine language programmer too. And uh, and he would program. I don't know if I told Curtis this, but he he would program Z80 machine code using a disk zapper. He didn't yes, have he did an assembler. Well, yeah, like he, raw he did have an assembler right onto a disk. He wrote, he wrote actual Z80 code directly onto the disk surface, and that's how he coded or 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 patched programs. He he could read Z80 code by by reading the mnemonics directly. He was brilliant. Uh, he's passed away now, but uh, yeah, he, he was selling my games and that's where, that's where, that's where I became the, the big hit, you know? <laughs> By the way, we've got a comment from the chat for you, Nick. Uh, Jim Rice suggesting you get a purple Ferrari this time. A purple one. That's right. <laughs> In honor of Prince, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, to go Level- with the yellow and the, the yellow, blue, and red one. Level five. Anyway, so uh, for those of you interested in the game, rush out to uh, nickmorentes.com. You can find the direct link from there. If you have my games website as part of your command history or maybe a bookmark or something there, uh, there's an entry for there, which also has a direct link to uh, Nick's site, so you can get it there as well. Um, and like I said, it's a much improved game. I've, I've been slamming Nick on, on Neutroid for years, but I can't do that on this now. It's actually is a proper game now. <laughs> and on that note, I think we should shut up because Brian has paid for his copy, and uh, and uh, I've got a. I've got. I see he's already got the scissors for. out to slash his wrist, so uh, that's right. going that well. 
Yeah, I've got to give him what he paid for. He paid for me to shut up. So that's the end of uh, Neutroid for today. Oh, but I was going to say, I got the level five on my first game. There you go. <laughs> keyboard or joystick? Uh, technically keyboard. Yeah, you'd be probably used to it by now. Uh, yeah, because if anybody else is going to make it and actually complete the game, because that's one thing you did change, as you mentioned it, this the game does now have an end. If you complete level 16, you win. You've got to get to 16, yeah. Anyway. Uh, Sloopy might no be the other one with Neutroid. enough patience. No more Neutroid. Finished. Yeah. Now <laughs> get to work on that game Ken and I are waiting for. Nick, if I wanted, yeah, to, buy, yeah. if I wanted to download more than one game, can you do that by clicking on the... Which ones you want? Uh, yes. Or do you have to buy them? On the Kaneki page, you can. You can just put little click check marks. Well, which ones you want. That's if he wants the CD, but you, you probably just want the, de- the, the d- digital download, don't you? Right. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Sorry. So, so you can buy each one individually. And then when they appear, I'll send, I'll email them out to you. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So on my website, and we're still talking about my stuff again, but <laughs> well, just head the question. Yeah, no, that's all right. If you if you click on the uh, I think on my web on my sales page where I say seven dollars click here you just yeah. click there and it goes through PayPal and pay for that but you're you're saying about trying to um, like if buy I wanted, a whole bunch yeah you could just to, just go to PayPal manually and just you know you, you can send me in one lump whatever you want just tell okay. me in an email and I'll send it direct it's just the 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 little thing I've got on my website just to make it easy for people. Okay. Uh, yeah, but you can do it individually, yeah. All right, thanks. Okay, well, thank you, Nick, and we'll and see you again on up. ICC. Yeah, now I've got to cram everything oh, in one hour. Gonna... <laughs> that's right. So, yep. <laughs> and it's Sip Tandy, so that's going to be a bit of a short. Okay, so I guess I'll start with the uh, game news related, which, of course, there are some some Tandy entries for that as well. So let me find the right window. And I think that's it. Hey, you guys should see a little mostly black screen. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is Paul Thayer. He did an update, and he's working on a shoot 'em up too called Shmup You Up, um, which we've covered a few times here. So this one is uh, showing him creating compiled sprites through utilities like GIMP and the Sprite Compiler app, which I can't remember if that's Paul Fiscarelli's or somebody else's. There's some talk about that in the Discord as well, and we'll cover that a little bit later in the news as well too. Yeah, I believe it is Sprite Compiler's Paul Fiscarelli's. Yeah. So basically, you select these here, and you can see the little animation frames of the sprite going across. And then you just click something, and it generates the machine code, and then you can run and test it to see how it works. Now, for those of you who don't know what compiled sprites are, normally sprites are just data, and you or and and, you know, background masks, et cetera, type thing. But it's a bit fair bit slower. What a, a compiled sprite does is it's smart enough to go, you know, if, if I have a repeating pattern that's going to be used multiple times. I'll just load a data register once and then store it multiple times rather than reloading every byte as you're going. It'll also be smart enough to know that if I'm putting something that's going to completely obliterate the background, that I don't have to do any masking at all. I don't have to or or and anything. You can just store it, which is faster. And even, you know, allows you to stack blasting if you have wider chunks that are completely filled in, et cetera. So 
It's a great tool. It takes it makes your code drawing sprites a lot faster, but it also makes them a fair bit bigger code-wise. It's much bigger than a straight data table in most cases. But anyway, he goes through a few of those there. So his game is making some really good progress. I'm I'm, I'm really excited. It's, it's a it's a probably a, by far I would say the best quality game I've seen that he's he's worked on. I'm really looking forward to this one too. It's it's much better than uh, even uh, Cosmic Ambush. Uh, next up, fellow Aussie, uh, Brian Palmer, who's also on our Discord as, what is his handle on there? i trying to remember. Whatever it is. Um, he's been doing some typing games from some of the Australian magazines, Australian Cocoa, Soft Gold, Australian May, uh, Rainbow. Now, Australian Rainbow originally republished a lot of stuff from the American Rainbow. They actually had an arrangement between the two, but they also published some of their own stuff. And basically what Brian's been doing is typing some of these in because a lot of the disc images and stuff from the Australian one, first of all, they never made it up here, so we never saw them. Uh, but a lot of them, you know, the, nobody seems to have the discs anymore. So he's been going through and retyping in games and then trying to make sure he's got them debugged. So one he released this last week here it was originally programmed by Nick Costarellis. hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, in 1983. And uh, it's called Laser Mirror Maze. And uh, he's got some screenshots here on the Coco Facebook group. Um, it looks like a P-Mode 4 game, kind of a puzzly style thing with some rows and columns you got to deal with. Um, unfortunately, Brian's running such an old version of MAME. When he takes a screenshot, it doubles the width and leaves the height alone, so they look stretched. So the actual game, of course, will not quite look like that. But I'm glad he's doing these, and eventually I'm planning on getting these up on my site, too, because it's stuff that a lot of us here in North America have never seen before. Probably not in Europe, either. Next up, and this is one that actually I was a bit involved with too. So there's a person named Dino Diego, and he's got 73,500 subscribers. And he's got a channel on YouTube that basically covers dinosaurs, everything about dinosaurs, TV shows, movies, books, um, advertising, you know, real stuff that's happening. And he's starting to cover video games. And he was trying to figure out what it was the first video game, you know, home console or, or home computer that actually had a dinosaur in it. And he had three of the early ones he covers here. And the first one is Dino Wars by Robert Kilgus. Now, I've been in contact with Robert Kilgus because I've been getting some information from him on some of his games to put on my website. In fact, the Dino Wars page has been updated with some of the information going back and forth. And I actually got a bit of a correspondence between the two of them going here. So we, they got some direct answers on that. Um, so it's a, it's a fairly lengthy little bit going through there. I'll just play a little bit of it. Let's fast forward. Goes a little bit of history of the video games where he covers covers the original Pong and stuff, uh, BC Quest for Tires, and then Dino Wars itself. As I was researching for this video, one of the titles that I ran into was 1981's Dino Wars. It's a very simple side-scrolling fighting game. There's not much to it, but that's to be expected since video games at this point in time were still very limited compared to how they are now. Regardless, the game's simplicity would only be a stepping stone in the titles people would eventually come to know and love. Dino Wars is a very early example of a fighting game. The game was specifically made to be a two-player game, and the objective was simple. You and your opponent fight until one of you runs out of health. The game features two Tyrannosaurs, one red and one blue. And hey, I'll play the whole thing here, but uh, he goes into a bit of a history and some of the background from Robert himself, like, why did he pick dinosaurs and stuff? Um, he was mentioning some of the things too, like you can walk in the distance, like this is more than just a side, you know, fighting game. You can actually walk further away. You can run into the cactuses on the, uh, 
a terrain type thing. So you have distance involved in here too, and the dinosaur scale as you go. So actually for you on know, a game written in 1980 and, and published in early 1981, it's pretty advanced. I mean, Robert did a few of these. His skiing game is, you know, by far the best skiing game I've seen on any micro or home machine of any sort back at that time period too. And that came up before the end of 1980. So anyway, it's good. And he goes through BC Quest for Tires and there's another one I can't remember off the top of my head. So he goes through three games from like 81, 82, 83-ish that had dinosaurs feature them in some way, shape, or form. So if you're into dinosaurs, it's a great page. I know this is a game that is uh, a little bit controversial because there's some developers I know just hate it, and they consider it a Dino Wars cartridge as a spare cartridge to put their own stuff in. Um, but I know like young kids really love the game, still do even now, even if they're used to playing it like on you know Xboxes and PlayStation 4s or whatever. And um, I, I never did mind it. I mean, I think the 3D scaling and stuff is quite impressive for the time. So I, I've always liked like a game. It's it's simple, you know, gameplay wise, but I never had a problem with it. But anyway, it's a pretty pretty cool video with a bit of history, including some history that I don't think has been talked about before. You know, going with the correspondence between uh, Dino and Robert Kilgus. And there's a kick-ass banner you can stand in front of. Yeah, yeah. If you want to meet Dino Wars in person, there, Tim Linder always brings the big poster of them. <laughs> Are you going to bring it again this next year for Coco Fest, uh, Tim? Probably not. Probably going to be traveling light this next time. What happens if there's another wedding party that wants to get their picture taken with the Dino Wars banner, though? I'll Photoshop them in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next up, we've got Warbirds for the MC-10 by Jim Gary. Now, he's released this game before, uh, but he's done some changes to it. So he's kind of updated it to make the playability a bit better. So what he has done, actually, I'll start playing it in the back. I'm just going to kill the sound down because it gets a bit loud. So the full name of the game is Romulan Warbirds, as you can see on the screen here. And of course, it's got the arrow keys. Now, the original version used in key, which means you can only register one key at a time. And you also have to keep tapping it. What he's done now is he's used a special routine that allows multiple keys to be pressed at once, I believe, by Greg Dion, same guy who did the MC10 basic compiler. So now you can hold down a key and keep moving, and you can also hold down two keys at once and move diagonally. So that's a fairly you know big improvement to the gameplay on this. So basically, you're moving through a star field, as you can see here. They can move in all eight directions. The Romulans have a bit of depth to them, so they get you know smaller as the further away and, and bigger as they get closer to you type thing. So it's kind of almost a little bit of a pseudo 3D effect, all done in like semi-graphics 4, so that's pretty impressive. And basically it's a like a sort of a mini Star Raiders, I guess, with a lot of the extra stuff gone. But, you know, nice little 3D style shooting up on MC-10. Uh, next up, and uh, the author of this video is actually on the call. So, Bob, do you want to explain kind of what your, what your video was accomplishing here using last week's uh, Game on Challenge game, Hopman? Assuming he's still here. I will try. But my oh, you're breaking up there. Internet connection is pretty slow. I think he says he has a bad internet connection. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, you better go for it. My internet's busted. Yeah, if you, if you kill your video, I think it'll work okay. You just started coming in clear there, and I think you've killed your video, so maybe you can. Still there, Bob? Of course, I won't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, is the sound coming through? 
Take that as a note. Yeah, no, it, I heard it. It didn't break up that time. We'll, we'll try it for a little bit. If it doesn't oh, work, then I'll try to guess explanation. Anyway, I was just, uh, yeah, I was just playing on my uh, Coco 3 that has the turbo light on it. And I noticed that the game was not playing in high speed. So I just tried typing in the high speed mode to see what it would do. And the timing of the game is pretty much. I know you're breaking up again. <laughs> what not, but the sound effects double. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, Bob, you're breaking up too much. I guess I, I was hoping maybe killing the video would make it work. But basically what you're seeing here, for those watching the video stream, he's got the regular speed uh, running on the top frame. He's got the double speed poke enabled on the bottom frame. The graphics seem to be somewhat frame locked, so it doesn't really speed it up too much. It might make it a bit smoother, but the you know the sound is definitely raised in pitch. Um, so he kind of goes through, I think, three or four, maybe even five levels here, just kind of showing the gameplay. And if you have the sound turned on, of course, you can hear it. You know, it's changing the pitches you're going between the two. But I didn't realize uh, this was a bit of a shock to me that the Inafuto guy that does the programming for all these different cross platform is not using the two megahertz mode on the Coco Three. And I'm wondering now, I never checked on the previous ones, but has he been doing that all along where it's Coco 3 games? And a few of them we've commented are a little bit slow because the Coco 3 screen's, you know, four times more RAM to move around than a Coco 1 2 screen. Um, if he's been running them all in single speed this whole time, like somebody should tell him about the double speed poke because it's definitely officially supported by Radio Shack because um, OSI Level 2 kicks it in as soon as you type DOS. So I, I think he could probably improve the Coco games quite a bit knowing he has that option. So. I don't know if anybody's ever tried to get in contact with the author, but that might be something to suggest to him. Anyway, thanks, Bob, for doing that. Sorry, your internet connection didn't last for you to explain it. Probably much better than I did. <coughs> Next up, uh, Paul is the best 3UK, has done a few more Dragon videos this last week. So he did Flipper, which is actually a conversion of a game by Colorsoft, same guys that sold Ken Kalish's Escape in 82, I think it was, in North America. And a uh, dragon version of Breakout, uh, Demolition Derby, which is by Spectrum, was sold as Demolition Derby by Tandy here in North America. And then he did a couple of basic games um, called Duck Shoot and Skydiver. Now, Skydiver is pretty slow, and I've seen another version of it in Rainbow from way back. Uh, duck Shoot's kind of a kind of like Duck Hunt, except you can't aim the gun. Basically, you're a little person on the lower right corner. And you're firing up diagonally against these birds that are flying across. And the bigger ones are worth less points than the smaller ones because they're harder to hit. Only one shot on the screen at once. And you're always firing at this fixed angle. So you have to kind of shoot ahead type thing. That one I suspect might have some ML routines or the guy really knows his get puts well. Because it actually runs at a pretty decent clip for a basic game. I won't play them here because we're going to be a little bit limited on time. But uh, you can definitely go check those out. And he's playing, uh, from the looks of his uh, description on the page here, he's got rough plans of doing a dragon video at 6 p.m. UK time every weekday. I don't know if he's strictly adhered to that, but that's his goal. And he does some other stuff too. You can see on the screen here, he's done some more modern machines in Windows 9X, but uh, interesting to see what else he comes up with. Uh, Expert Tech, which is a channel we covered before. He's got a real Coco 2 running on a, a monochrome amber monitor. 
And he decided to do two videos this week covering Sailor Man. So one was on skill level four, one was on skill level five. For those of you who played Sailor Man quite a bit, skill level five is where they add the little bouncing faces that are coming at you, as well as everything else that is normally going on. Um, I'm not going to play the videos here because, I mean, a lot of us have played Sailor Man before. It's been featured on the Coco Show. We've had it as a game on challenge years ago. Um, but one thing I did notice is that his high score is like 924,000. So obviously he's really good at this game. Um, and this version that he has has actually been patched somewhat for Spanish. So there's some of the prompts, not all of them, but some of the prompts are actually in Spanish. I don't know if that was a hack or if that was an official thing. So anyway, there's a little bit of uh, coolness in there. And he's definitely a good player. He goes through all three levels on both level four, uh, screen levels on, on level four and five of gameplay pretty easily. So I, I suspect that 924,000 score of his is not a fake, you know, he modified the score table manual. I think he actually did earn it because he looks like he's pretty darn good at this game. Another one, Brown Robin Burton. This is one I talked about a while ago. He was originally supposed to be doing a live stream playing Donkey Kong Remix. And unfortunately, due to real life stuff, he just wasn't able to do it. He tried a couple of times, I guess. And then, you know, there was noise and stuff in his household and stuff. And he just couldn't do it. So he's going to be doing pre-record. So the first one he did is just the standard Sockmaster, the original transcode that started them all. Sockmaster's original Donkey Kong port from, was it, 2007? So he goes through and plays that on our, you know, Coco 3, real Coco 3. Now, one thing he mentioned in his description of this that I did not know before is that he was born in the same year that this transcode came out. So he's young. He's not somebody that's been you know, around the scene for a while. He was born in 2007, so he's just a teenager. And to watch him be as excited about this game as he is, and he's planning on doing the remix version later on, that's that's good. I like to see that there's new blood coming into the community and that you know younger people are impressed with what the Coco is able to do. I should mention all of these, of course, will be in the show notes too, so that you guys can just kite the Discord and uh, go directly to these links if you want to watch these full videos or get full explanations. Next up, we have Yagi Boat, and I think we covered him with Septandi last year, if I remember correctly. And he decided to make a little quick little video called Game Time. So he plays, he's planning on doing a few of these over the course of Septandi. The first one he did is Checker King, which is the original Checkers cartridge, one of the original release titles for the Coco One in 1980. Um, and he didn't have the manual, I think, so he's kind of like learning as he goes what what different keys and stuff do. And uh, we've all seen Checker Kings. So I'm not going to play that again here, but uh, this is just the first of, of of a series of videos that he's planning on doing for Septandi. So I'm interesting to see what other games he's going to pick. And you also notice he's got a back bit, which is kind of a competitor to the SDC. Um, the interface for it is not too bad, but it's nothing as slick as the SDC one. So I still prefer the SDC itself. But on the other end, the back bit is one that is capable of plugging into multiple retro machines and works with all of them with these little adapter boards. So if you have a large retro machine collection and you go between them all the time, that actually might be a better fit um, if you're you know not able to afford getting you know STCs and their equivalents for all the different machines separately. You can get this one to get them all type thing and just get the little adapters. Yep. I was looking at that, wondering if uh, it'll fit in a um, multi-pack. A back bit? I, yeah, back bit? Yeah, I don't know. Anybody here know? Why wouldn't it? Because it's like L-shaped backwards, you know? It goes... Oh, it might block a slot. Yeah, unless you put in slot one, like if it angles out enough, it should be able to go in slot one and just kind of go over the edge of the multi-pack towards you. There you go. 
Either the first slot or the or the last slot. Well, if you did the last slot, wouldn't it stick out over top slots three and two or whatever, and then block those? I, I don't know. I mean, which it would way work, it turns but... one way or the other, but the slot the slot slick switch is your friend. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we covered the back bit a while ago because they originally thought that the Coco only had cassette and uh, uh, cartridges, and then they added disc support. I don't think they have VHD support yet, so they can't run hard drive images. But uh, they do have disc support now, so you can play all the you know Coco one, two, three games that came on disc or cassette or cart now. And lastly, I think this is the one that Sloopy was alluding to earlier so this is cross-gen play and sleepy you know a bit about this video wake up sleepy he's, he's probably playing neutroid oh why is he wasting his life away like that <laughs> <laughs> i thought you said those days were over <laughs> <laughs> i'm just trying to stir him up to get him awake here to talk but really not are you sure you're you're trying to stir uh sleepy up or nick well, yeah, you know, two for fun. one special. What can I say? Curtis, you sound like a father in the 80s. You know, don't waste your life away on that machine. What do you want to do with your life? Yeah. yeah. Computers will never go anywhere. Yeah. So cross-gen gameplay, the name of the YouTube channel, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, that's Geek with Social Skills, who's actually in our chat right now and is also now in our Discord under a different name. I can't remember that Slippy mentioned earlier. No, this is not GWSS. Oh, it isn't? Okay. No, it's somebody else. Oh, okay. So, right, uh, they decided to do a Tandy Color Classics gameplay showcase, and you can see what they've got as equipment here. So they have a Coco 3, the back bit as well. Um, they also have like OS9 level two with the manual, the Coco three manuals, those inside OS9 level two. And he just randomly picks games and sometimes he randomly picked demos by accident. So it was just kind of a wing and a prayer two hours, you know, stream. Some games he figured out how to play, some he didn't. I think he didn't realize that there's no standard for joysticks being in the left or right port because he'd find some that the game worked and he played for a couple minutes. And there's other ones where if he couldn't get it running on the keyboard or the joystick that was plugged in, he would just immediately switch to another game. So I, I don't know how familiar, I'm guessing he probably just got the Coco three and, and peripherals here recently. But uh, if you guys want to go there and maybe comment, like watch his uh, stream and some of the games he tried, maybe comment and give him some tips and tricks and stuff for getting stuff going. And maybe we can get him to join the active community on the discord. I'll let try to be nice. A, let him know there's <laughs> a hardware solution for his joystick woes. <laughs> well, he's got your uh, switcheroo already, so he should be aware of it. I would hope so. Because he did know enough that if it's an artifacting game, flick the switch and get color. He didn't know about switching the color sets, unfortunately, but because he played uh, Pegasus and the Phantom Riders, I think it was with a blood red sky. How metal. <laughs> anyway, I'm expecting a lot more Septandi game stuff to be happening here over the next uh, month. So looking forward to seeing all that. Hopefully we get some other new people that have never you know, really had a cocoa before or gotten a cocoa in the last month or two and have kind of left it sitting for an unboxing video to start a series of videos up on YouTube. So uh, since we're only on the second day of September, hope there's a ton of stuff coming. And now I'm going to switch to the other regular news stuff. Which... Oop, that actually stopped it out right. I didn't want to do that. Oh, well. 
Screen sharing has failed to start. Please try again later. What? Whack it on the side. Did it again. <laughs> Is it plugged in? Well, at least it said later and not tomorrow. You borrow some bandwidth? There. I don't know what that was. I've never seen that before. Okay, so one of the regular news. The first one here, Chair City Retro Programming. I know he was kind of on a vacation the last month or so, which is why he did quite a few videos on Tales of Suburbia, on the, you know, working with that skeleton of a program I'd started back in 86, which is what this video is based on. Uh, but now he's back to his regular scheduled work schedule and he's, he's going to be, you know, fewer and farther between. And this one here, he basically's kind of changed the concept of the game as I'd originally thought of it, but I never got far enough to really have a concept. So I can't really blame him. Um, but he decided to just do a little sub video on showing how to write a basic program using circle commands, et cetera, and arcs to draw the yin yang symbol, which he actually put into the game. And he actually is spinning around in, in the game demo that he's done earlier. I won't play the video here because it's kind of him going through explaining, you know, how to draw the and, you know, his normal learn as you go technique. So it's 20 minutes, but uh, you can go check that out. Coquitown has been extremely busy this week. He cranked out four videos that I know of. And originally, I was going to play, you know, chunks of some of these. I'm probably going to cut them down a little bit here, since Nick and I have to be gone in less than 40 minutes. Uh, but the first one here is learning how to access disk files directly uh, from the disk basic ROM routines in assembly language. No, now no, I'm going to. Sorry, what? Come and nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> So this one here, I, I do want to do a caveat to this, which I did mention in the comments. Um, he's calling the routines directly. He's not going through Discon. Discon is very low level. It's basically sector reads and writes. So you have to worry about how the directory is structured. You have to worry about the granular allocation table, which is a pain in the butt, and it's one of the reasons I like OS9. But I will mention that because we went through this in 82, uh, when Tandy released the original Disk Basic 1.0, a lot of people wrote their code like this, Telewriter, Supercolor Writer, a bunch of you know commercial programs all wrote direct ROM calls because it was so much easier than having to handle all the disk func or the uh, file system functionality yourself rather than you know just raw disk. When Disk Basic 1.1 came out, all those ROM routines moved. And that Thank broke everything. Thank you, Mark. Sorry? <laughs> Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Mark Siegel. Yeah. So they made room for this DOS command, but everything shifted and then everything crashed. So Telewriter, you can no longer load and save your text file. Same with Supercolor Writer. Like there's just a ton of stuff that, that broke. And gradually all the developers had to fix things up. And if anybody had written a program and then left the Cocoa, then you had to try to figure out a patch it yourself. Some stuff never did. Um, but I remember this was a huge stink when it happened. And the way he's doing it here, I mean, obviously Tandy's not going to be bringing out any new versions of... Uh, this basic soon, but we do have alternative DOSs that people have done. Like there's, you know, Star DOS from Star Kits from Peter Stark. There's uh, ADOS. Arthur Flexer, ADOS, ADOS 3, ADOS 3 Extended, CDOS by uh, Disto. Uh, Distofano from Disto. There's a few others, I'm sure. Oh, JDOS, that's another one. That one's a bit more incompatible to begin with. So you have to be careful when you're doing these direct calls. Like, I mean, like uh, Arthur Flexer, I think, has tried to keep the main entry points to routines that existed in the existing disk base 1.1 to stay in the same spot. And he's added all the new code after that because there was a chunk free at the end of the 8K ROM. And then ADOS 3 and extended ADOS actually goes to a full 16K ROM. So there's a ton of stuff that never would have been used before. 
But just to you know, be careful that when you start doing direct calls into ROMs, especially if the ROMs that can get flashed or upgraded later on, if you don't make it backwards compatible with entry points for the common routines that you want to try to do, you might break code. You might actually cause it to jump into code that will rewrite your floppy because you think you're calling a read routine and you might be calling a disk skinny routine instead now because it moved. And you could actually damage the contents of your disk. So I, I gave him the caveat. And we went through this back in 82. So um, anyway, he shows you how to use it. Um, if, as long as you maybe do a check at the beginning of your program to make sure the DOS is something you're expecting, like this basic 1.1 or whatever, or STC DOS, whatever, then you can probably give a warning to the user, you know, this is an un, unknown DOS. I'm not sure if this is going to work. Do you want me to try anyway? Just to give the user a bit of a warning. And it's a really extensive, really well done going through how you go through Unraveled and how it works. Um, and then he goes through uh, a little follow-up video where he found out he did an error in the previous one. <laughs> and he's done these a few times. It's kind of, uh, you know, figuring out after the video's released, what did, what did I miss there? So in this case here, I think if I remember correctly, he forgot to close the file first before trying to read a second file. So it's not handling the buffers correctly. Once again, you can watch the video for that one. Um, this one here, and this is the one that I believe is inspired by our very own David Ladd. Because um, David had mentioned this thing on the show that we talked about briefly. And this is kind of a follow-up to that little discussion we had on the show. So this one I will play the beginning of. It's just so you understand what it's about. And then he basically takes David's idea and runs with it. So I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I'll play the part that kind of explains what the video is about, and then you can go watch the rest of it on your own. Previously on the Coca Nation. Once he went to the higher resolution, I'm like, it's freezing up, and I'm like, oh, he's going into the disk basic variable area. <laughs> Although, going into that mode would be nifty when you do disk I.O., so you could yeah, see you watch the, the buffers go by. <laughs> yes, you can watch all the variables in the disk data show up on the screen. And that's always nifty to watch. And that's like time. David Ladd nerd heaven right there, I think, being able to watch the, the oh, buffers. Yeah. <laughs> We here at Coco Town are all about making your dreams come true. So today we're going to take a look at the various disk buffers, those areas of memory, by pointing the VDG to them while we run the code that I've been showing the past couple videos. This code simply opens a text file, reads the bytes, and then prints them to the screen. But we're not going to see the printing because we're going to be busy looking at other areas. First, we're going to look at the area of RAM starting Anyway, so basically, he took David's idea and ran with it. And I, I notified David about the video earlier this week. And actually, since you're here, David, I was just wondering, what, what did you think? I was like, ooh. <laughs> I, I think David goes really good with creepy music. <laughs> oh, now, Tim, you don't know how low we go. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty obvious just listening to you, David. We all do. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> no, but seriously, what, what did you think about uh, him actually kind of demonstrating exactly what you would thought would be a, a speculative oh, it, it, fun? It, it, it was great. I, I liked it. Um, it's just some of the things that you find out as you, you're exploring one thing, and then you find out how the basic, how Microsoft or other people laid out memory. Um, for doing different things. Um, I, I'm personally surprised that they didn't 
take the disk buffers and put it at the right above the stack. So that way it would have shifted the stack down and then it would have kept all the memory for all the previous basics. Yeah, you wouldn't have had all the broken compatibility between cassette and disc then, yeah. After I watched this video, I thought it would be a cool idea um, to take a RAM checking utility and hook up the joystick so that you could scan through memory watching it scan RAM. Yeah, just have a sliding window through it. Yeah. Now, I did want to mention one other thing in here um, that he actually just showed. So we can go back up. Which is the disk motor timer out thing here. That thing that's. Oh, you can watch it counting down. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, if if you load a game that was designed for cassette, Hopman is one of them. If you load a game designed for cassette, it puts the graphics screen right over top of these buffers we're looking at through the VDG on this video, and you can actually, if anything gets written to there, the interrupt routine will suddenly kick in, and you'll watch little graphic pixels cycle through that same memory location on the screen. And if you run Hopman, the Coco One and Two version, for example. Um, and you run it, you will see that, and it's always in the upper left portion of the screen. And uh, if you actually play a game where you can guide your character or the monsters or whatever you're going against can go through that same area, eventually it will crash the machine because the routine gets completely confused because you're screwing around the timer constantly, and the interrupt counter and stuff just gets mashed up, and eventually the game... Like, Grabber's a good example, because the uh, cassette version of Grabber that's floating around, if you play it for too long and you drive through that one area too many times, it just locks the whole game right up. So that's one way to telltale if, if that's happening. Because basically, you're doing the same thing that Coco Town did here, except you're doing it with a graphic screen rather than a VDG screen. Now, the advantage of the VDG screen, of course, you can see text, like you can see like the name of a file here in the disk buffer. On the graphics screen, you can't see that, but you can see stuff like timers running because you can watch the pixel patterns go through. So, I just wanted to mention that because that's a that's a the same thing that's happening there. It's just happening on the graphics screen instead. But I thought it was kind of nice. He actually gave a shout out to David Ladd, and he actually watches our show. That's awesome. Oh, it's <laughs> always great to know that people watch what you produce. Yeah. I'm also amazed that David Ladd watches the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then his last one this week, the fourth one. So he's doing Septandi before Septandi even started. Uh, this is showing how to use a tool by Air Canalis called LST2CMT, list to comment, which takes uh, assembly source code lines uh, that are output with comments and labels from LWASM, and then you can import them and Tim, you probably know a lot more about this than I do, but you can actually link this into actual code in MAME so that in, when you're looking at a debugging disassembly window, instead of just seeing the raw you know, story at 4,000, it'll actually use the label. So they story at players left or something like that. Is, yeah, am I understanding that correct? There's a feature in MAME where as you're debugging, um, as you're debugging uh, a driver, you can attach comments to memory locations. And... Um, you can do it incrementally as as you're debugging, and then uh, when you get to a point, you can save it to a file. And uh, somebody had the bright idea of going the other way, of um, having an assembler create the file so that you can load in um, assembly comments. Okay. And basically what Kogutan has done here is he showed you how to do that with the particular workflow that he uses. And it, like you can see on the screenshot that I've got here, like I said, this is a thumbnail, I'm not going to play the thing here, but 
the one that's highlighted in yellow right now on the actual debugger, this is what you would normally see if you don't have any file linked to it. It says load wide 3FB2, for example, from the memory address 3FB2, which, you know, I mean, if you're trying to debug a program, even if it's one you wrote yourself, you have to try to remember what memory addresses actually all those labels you typed in actually mean. So you have to constantly back reference to your code or a disassembly of the code that actually shows the memory addresses as it's progressing to the assembly to figure out what the heck is that at. But you can see on the right side here, the one that links all the comments, as Tim was mentioning, now says load wide file info cur. So you've actually got a label that makes sense to you because you wrote that label name yourself originally. Um, and now you know exactly where in the code you are and what it's doing without having to cross-reference memory address locations. So this is definitely would speed up a lot of debugging. I'll have to use this myself one of these days. Uh, you're Mr. Relocatable. I'm sorry, it's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well no i use offsets quite a bit and offsets the, i would definitely the, label the lst file format um uh doesn't support re relocatable code so you have to know where it's going to show up so if i set an equate like say um screen size equals 6144 and i do an lax uh screen size comma y it won't link that well, well, this this utility doesn't do labels it it, it just adds comments to memory locations well, how come it's showing the label? Oh, these are comments. I see what you mean. Okay. So it's literally a comment portion of the line, not linking in a memory address to it, like not doing the equates, basically. Right. Ah, okay. I misunderstood that. I thought it was doing both. So you guys have to get on that, obviously. <laughs> oh, I got plans. Woohoo. Cool. <laughs> now you got me excited. Now this is more exciting than Neutroid. <laughs> Calm down. Not not possible. <laughs> I'm just going to get prepped up for the ICC show later. Um, <clears throat> now, we we're talking about the sprite compiler earlier that uh, Paul Thayer was demonstrating there. And uh, after he posted that video, a few, quite a few people were asking about the sprite compiler because not too many people had heard of it yet. And I mean, Paul's kind of demoed it before. But this is the first time, to my knowledge, he's released it publicly. He's given it to a few developers specifically to try. But on our Discord, and it's in the assembly section under programming and development, uh, and you'll have to scroll up now because a lot of people are commenting on it, but basically you can download the current alpha of it, and uh, there's a little demonstration of it on the screen there where you can see the sprite data itself, the colors rendered on screen, and then the data statements and FCB statements that it generates on the right upper corner, um, which shows you basically the raw byte values of the color data. And then below that is the actual compiled sprite version, which is actually doing the loads and the stores and the push-pulls. It actually kind of analyzes the sprite, tries to figure out what's the best way to speed it up. Um, and yeah, as I mentioned, regard to code size. Yeah, well, I was just going to mention, yeah, it usually makes your code a lot bigger. Um, he's been talking about possibly letting you kind of balance that yourself, where you can try to do it a bit more size-friendly, still oh, faster you can than doing set a raw. slider, maybe? Yeah, something like that, I would guess. Which would be kind of interesting because sometimes if you're trying to get a game to fit in like a 16k Coco, for example, you don't want to do too much. Or well, you know, he does what... target the Coco three, so you got that going for you. Oh, it doesn't work on the Coco one and two at all. You can't pick like like the Coco one and two supports modes with less than 16 colors, so I thought it might be usable on both. I, I believe his algorithms um, are hard coded for 16 colors. Ah, okay. Okay, so 128k Coco then, if you want to have like a large number of tiles and stuff you might be able to press or sound effect, you know, files like digitized sound samples and stuff like that. You might want to balance it a bit more, you know, get some extra speed by doing some things intelligently, but not go completely all out where it's like mm -hmm. five times the size. Mm -hmm. 
Anyway, for those of you who want to give it a shot, you can actually get it off the Cocoa Discord. So, and then give some feedback to Paul. Yep. Next up, Bill Noble um, finally got a Symphony 12 back. He actually had one of these back when they were brand new. And Symphony 12 was a card that I think Jim Brain is actually duplicating. I'm trying to remember what he calls his new one, but it's basically the, Phil the Philharmonic. Okay. The Philharmonic 12. Okay, because that has four sound chips basically, which is uh, it's just the right it? amount. <laughs> yeah, it's it's four regular voices and four noise channels. I think is that what each chip has? Three and three, I think. It's four AY three chip sound chips. Okay, but that has three voices per chip, plus yeah. a, a yeah, white plus noise. noise. No. It's three exactly. voices. Okay, that's what I was trying to remember. I can remember it's four and one and three on them. So basically what he's got here is he's got the manual and he's got the actual Symphony 12 with the four chips on it, but he also got one of the keyboards. And there was a couple different keyboards with a different number of keys, different number of octaves that was on sale from speech systems when they were selling these. And I think this is the four octave keyboard he got. And basically it's basically just a PIA and he's just figuring out right now how that maps whatever keys you hit to send back to the Coco because you need obviously software to drive it. And he's actually been experimenting with the Symphony 12 combined with this, and actually he's gotten parts of it working now, even, even under Nitrous 9. So he's actually going to be pushing that a bit forward, maybe even write a driver to kind of handle the whole thing. So you could pretty do some pretty amazing sound effects. But now that he's got this going here, he might be able to help, you know, develop some software that can be used with Jim Brain's clone of the Symphony 12. Though I don't think Jim has anything for handling the keyboards here, if you're an actual a musician that can play them. Well, I'll keep an eye on that project. Next up, we have the final part three uh, from Chibi Akumis, whose real Chibi. name is Keith. <clears throat> did I pronounce that right, Tim? Yes, you did. Ooh. It just needs repeating. <laughs> so anyway, he's been doing, um, I guess, the lesser known CPU. So he's doing this one. He's doing the 65816. I think he considers one of these. Basically, ones that were, weren't quite mainstream, like a 6809, 6800, 6502, Z80, 8088, etc. Um, so he's been covering it in, in great detail and, you know, making comments on, you know, some commands that are really cool and really awesome. And some other ones that you kind of go like, why did you bother? Which is the same thing a lot of us have done. Um, but his last chunk here, he's been covering, uh, pushing and pulling W on the stack, uh, using the TFM command. He was speculating, why would you have a TFM command that copies from one single memory location to multiple and vice versa obviously that's for memory map io so you can like read a disk sector off of a hard drive or obviously. blast something out to a graphics card or or fill a screen with a byte like if you want to clear a screen white you can just have it you know point to a memory location with the byte you want to clear the screen with and you can just tfm that one location straight to the entire size of the screen though i will mention if you're doing that if you do clever uh push instructions you can actually do it a bit faster that way than you can with tfm TFM is faster on copying, but on a single source, repeating the same byte over, you can actually do a bit faster using push. But uh, yeah, it goes through the hardware multiple, uh, multiply commands, hardware divide commands, a bunch of the bit mode operation stuff, which is stuff I haven't used too much, though. There's a couple of those that are really good for doing I.O. as well, or copies of I.O. registers anyway, um, where you can like take load bit five from here and put it into bit two over here in one instruction. And that saves you a lot of shifts and et cetera. So anyway, he's got all three parts up now. He's got both a web page version you can go through and read. And then he's also got the three videos that cover the same thing. And of course, he sells a book with 6809, et cetera. 
The Coco crew, which is on hiatus, um, is still having a few things that Boise has been doing. So he's doing, been doing a series called Coco Conversations, where you find some luminaries, past or present, from the Coco community. And this one he interviewed here this last week and posted is Keith Alfonso from AlphaSoft. Um, now, he did a lot of OS9 related stuff. He did like Presto Partner, Data Windows, the OS9 Level 2 BBS, which is a multi-user, multi-line BBS. I ran it myself for a while. Um, and a bunch of other utilities, et cetera. So it was a pretty cool interview. And Keith is somebody I've actually met at Rainbow Fest in person. And then Bill and Noble and I actually, we got our work to buy the OS9 Level 2 BBS because we wanted some of the utilities he had. Because one of his nice ones was a multi-user chat. Like there's a lot of sysop chat. You talk directly to the sysop on the keyboard. Uh, but there wasn't too many for the Coco that you could actually talk with multiple people at multiple phone lines coming in. Well, at work, we had eight terminals set up, scattered throughout the plant in sales, the president's office, by the press, et cetera. And we actually did set up multi-user chats with that. You know, the sales team wanted to talk to the press people, but they had to stay in their office waiting for a phone call or something like that. And we actually used some of these utilities. We did modify a few of them. And Keith actually sent a source code for a few of these, which I got to see if I still have. That might have crashed, but the drive crashed. But uh, I even put a comment in here because, I mean, Keith, we talked on the phone a few times back in the day, late 80s, early 90s type thing. He was very helpful, very friendly guy. But a really good interview. He kind of covers some of the stuff he did, how he got into the Cocoa in the first place, how he got into OSI in the first place, how he got into writing a BBS in the first place, et cetera. But he did a lot of really cool stuff. I'm actually friends with him on Facebook. He's uh, recently remarried and it's just seems as happy as can be. He's just having a blast. Life's good. <laughs> He's playing uh, for Math Tutor, is he? <laughs> nope. <laughs> He's not doing anything like of the sort. Next up, we have Alan AC's 8-Bit Zone. Now, Brian Weasel already kind of covered this at the beginning here, but basically this uh, announcement that he's got on his page is that the uh, Coco DV, which is his HDMI output solution for the uh, Coco 1 and 2. To with get extra features? Yeah, with a lot of extra features. And if you've seen his little Pac-Man demo, you'll, you'll see why. Um, but now he's, this is the official announcement that is also now is available to the Dragon. Even thanks, Brian, in the video here, because Brian lent him a couple of Dragon systems to try it on. So now you've got another option in the UK, and there's a few options already there from like Dragon Plus Electronics, et cetera. But you got another option here that adds, you know, extra graphics modes, more color. It's kind of like a Kogu VGA style um, with some different features, sprites, hardware sprites, I think are in there, if I remember. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, because I'm running out of memory here. Um, uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah, so it's 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 a lot of extra hardware that you can use with an HDMI output, which means you can hook it up to any modern TV and get crystal clear images. And it's now available for Coco 1s and 2s and the Dragon 32, Dragon 64, and the Tano Dragon. And um, so if you want to support him, obviously he's been on the show many times before. He's usually in our chat. He's not too busy with real life. And go check it out. This is the video, I think. Yes. Is Geek with Social Skills. That's it. It actually says that right there. <laughs> so since uh, some of you guys are actually friends with him, I've never met him. So, um, Tim, are you, do you know him fairly well? Or Yeah, uh, we happen to be neighbors. Uh, he's just over the river. Um, he's been YouTubing for quite a number of years. Uh, has a good following. And... Um, uh, we we met we actually met through Amy and Taylor. <laughs> was that when you guys did the big joystick exchange? Yeah, yeah, that's when we did the big joystick exchange. Um, he was uh, decreed to be the uh, third recipient of the big ass joystick. 
Um, so before but, we get into the Coco video part, what happened to that? Did it keep getting passed on or did it? Uh, it's it's to the fourth person and it sort of stalled. Uh, um, I don't think their, their video has come out yet. So okay. uh, ho- hopefully they get on it and uh, because we'd like to see that uh, go far and wide. But this is a video of Geek uh, um, just showing off some of his new acquisitions that are... Um, uh, Subtandy related. Yes, he, he has some nice stuff. Now, was any of this from you personally, or is this stuff he picked up on eBay? He shows some of my box, like that, like that, uh, that disk drive and disk controller I gave him, and uh, he also shows some of the boxes uh, that he bought and that I gave him, and some things from some other friends of his. Okay, now the boxes you're talking about, those are the program pack uh, remake boxes you made back when you still worked at a print shop, correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And ironically I, enough, now demand has really gone up, and now you don't have any left. There's not really a demand. Uh, yeah, I I have about fifty left that I'm keeping for trades. Well, Frank bought a bunch off you, didn't he? Yes, he did. He was the, uh, yeah. So Frank has a lot, actually. I don't know if he's going to sell them individually. I, I he he made it sound like he had a project that they were going to go with. Well, his diagnostic pack, he sells them in. Oh, okay. And he sold a fair number of those at the show already. So. Yep. Now, have you given any thought to getting them redone, or are you planning on giving away yeah, the files? Yeah, I got a quote, and it, it went from a dollar a box to uh, $3 a box. And yeah, paper I, costs have gone nuts. I know that from my end of the industry. And I, I just can't afford that. So, so Now, if um, you got a pre-order or something? or I suppose something like that could happen, but it's not really likely. Neil Blanchard did say he might want to try to get them printed. Um, he was more willing to work with some Chinese manufacturers than, than I was. Um, oh, okay. But I haven't heard back from him. Because every once in a while I hear that, and here's here's a picture of it right now in the unfolded yeah. state. Now, there was, you had mentioned something I did not know. Apparently, you've changed the design a bit. There's a lock thing at the top you've removed. Yeah, you, you can see that little piece of paper coming out the top uh, left-hand side there. And... Um, the normal uh, program pack boxes have an auto lock on top, and and if you're not careful, you can tear them. Yep, and I, I wanted quite these, a few months. Yeah, I, I wanted these to be you know used. I wanted them to keep your collection in when you're when you're um, not playing them. So uh, these boxes, the ones I made, have a, a little cl- clipping flap that will um, uh, keep it closed, and you can open and close them very easily, and you. And no danger of ripping the boxes. Yeah, because that's one of the annoying thing about the Tandy ones that I, I found that the uh, you know the repeated opening and closing it eventually just ripped right off. Yep, that's that's what it's supposed to do. There's a couple cards. You didn't that. spy the cards, did you? No, I didn't. And I really do have to mention I came up with a really good joke because he 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 mispronounces uh, Daggereth. Uh, yeah, I saw that in the comments throughout the entire video. <laughs> So Roth, I think he called it. Yeah, he it? kept saying Daggeroth. And uh I, I did a comment. I'm gonna say it. I I did a comment saying that my favorite that my favorite singer was uh Daggerly the Roth. <laughs> <laughs> Daggerly Roth. I thought of that all it would be Daggerly Wrath though, wouldn't it? Get the flip <laughs> well, if it's a Coco game, it would be Daggerly the Wrath. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking the lead singer Van Halen is, is David Lee Rath, but because uh, <laughs> I made a comment on these two cartridges, which I'm not sure where he got these from, Arkanoid and Tetris, but those are fat binaries, so 
that was one of the things where Tandy was actually quite friendly because if you had a Coco One Two bought these games, you could play them, and if you bought a Coco Three later, the game was upgraded for free because all of a sudden it would yeah. use the extended ROM. Uh, so Jim. go subscribe to his channel, even though he's a Commodore user. You know, well, he's slowly converting. He's slowly. And look at this—he actually buys Nick stuff. Yes, <laughs> I didn't even have to uh, go to him into that. He did that all on his own. Another one buying stuff just to shut me up. I may. Yeah. I it's may not working though. Look how long you talk today. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I may or may not have had a hand in uh, pushing him towards Nick stuff. <laughs> and this this is the 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 main point of this, and I don't think he got this from you. I think this was somebody else. Wow, that's nice looking. But yeah, it's a Cobra nice. three one twenty k stock. Not even got the warranty label removed, and it's in pristine shape. Yeah, it's white. It's not yellowed. And of course, he promptly mentioned here he's going to be hacking it open and you know putting a six zero nine in and upgrading RAM, et cetera, et cetera, which is yeah, you know, he's necessary. Got all that but, lined up. Yeah, we got yeah, more videos practice. coming. Hope he's careful when he sockets that CPU. I think he knows what he's doing, Tim. I, I would guess. Yes, yes, he's uh he's very experienced with the soldering iron. Yeah, he's not going to do what what Rick was demonstrating at the beginning of the show, which is you know how I I, I treat my hair. Right, right. <laughs> Just gotta watch those cheap tandy boards. Oh, so anyway, yeah, check out yeah. Geek with Social Skills on yeah. YouTube. And what is his name in the uh, Discord? If you want to talk to him and ask questions in the Discord. It's Sean something. Sean Rocks. S-C-A-N-R-O-X. Okay, I'm guessing Sean is actually his name then. Yes. Okay, and I'm guessing Rocks is not his name unless he was an 80s metal band guy. No, he <laughs> just he just rocks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, now we also got uh, some Dragon news coming up here. So John Whitworth of Dragon Plus Electronics has mentioned that he's now got the Super RGB and companion boards are now available, which is actually what Brian was demonstrating. Uh, or no, actually Brian was demonstrating code to be similar uh, concept though. But but this um, now works on the Dragon Thirty Two Sixty Four and Coco Ones and Twos. Um, in the Coco Twos case, he's got versions that work both with the original VDG and the lowercase enhanced T1 variant, which does have a different pinout. It also works with both PAL and NTSC, and it provides RGB output for these machines rather than the RF or composite. And it meant to plug into a SCART adapter like the switcher roof that Jason sells at Cocoman.biz. So you've got a little like, you know, mock-ups here what the board looks like. You can zoom in, take a look at it. Uh, parts of these are can be sold in kit form. Some of them are mostly assembled. There's some optional pieces you can get that you don't have to have, but you can get um, like uh, with a DIN-8 output board or SAM breakout board, et cetera. Uh, if you want details on those, we've covered these much more extensively on previous episodes, and I'm not going to go repeat them all here. But they actually are in stock if you want to order some from Dragon Plus Electronics in the UK. Next up on the Dragon, we've got uh, Davey Mitchell, who's known as Davey's Retro Corner on YouTube, who's done another type-in port. And another one that he's done a few minor improvements on. So this is a program originally by Simon Strong in 1983 called Planets. And this came from a book called The Best of PCW, which is a magazine in the UK for the Dragon 32. And basically, from what I can tell, it, it basically shows in not, not real time, but you know, proportionate real time, the rotation of the inner planets around the sun. Um, and it's a little bit slow because it's writing out the text names of all of them here. So you can see the inner planets here from Mercury to Mars before you get to the asteroid belt and the position of the sun. 
And then it'll kind of show them rotating, like it'll show that Mercury's orbit goes much faster than Venus's orbit, which goes faster than Earth, which goes faster than Mars. You can kind of see the relative. This is one I think Ron would like, because mm-hmm. it's it's right up his alley here with the astronomy stuff. But he did a couple minor improvements to it as well. He, uh, I don't know if he remembered. So it's just... just the words rotating, or is there a planet there that I can't see? No, it's just the words as far as I can tell. Okay. And I didn't fully check to see if these are real constellations. So this is where you would actually see it in the night sky if you looked up. Like this <laughs> kind of looks like Cassiopeia. But I can't <laughs> I, tell for sure. Well, theoretically, you'd be so. above the plane of the solar system and who knows what we'd see. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I, I think it's basically calculating the relative speeds of each orbit so that you're proportionally getting, you know, how fast each one goes around the sun. Now here would be a great opportunity for uh, compiled sprites. Yeah, <laughs> or just compiled, because <laughs> that's plain old basic there. Oh, okay. Uh, well, get put that sucker. <laughs> yeah, well, he's trying to keep the stars in the background, so you have to keep redrawing the stars and slow it down a bit. But yeah, especially an even bite line get put would be much, much faster. And then uh, Julian Brown, this is the last story here from the Dragon, and last story for the news this week. Um, he's put up multiple updates on the dragon group on Facebook throughout the week here of his keyboard upgrade. And he still has a bit of work left to do on the software side of things. Like the hardware, he's got all the spacers measured right now. It sits at the right height, fits perfectly. And um, he's been going through trying to get certain key combinations that weren't working. So now he's going back to a more simple one. I think yesterday or today this morning, he just posted about some Microsoft utility that he's found that might actually help solve these last few problems. Uh, for remapping keys, et cetera. So it looks like that's, this project's getting pretty close. I know he's in the chat earlier. You can probably explain it a lot better than I. Um, <laughs> does Curtis explode in 10 minutes if he's still reading these from 60 in the chat? Uh, we'll see, won't we? I might be like a drummer from Spinal Tap. I think you uh, return to your mouse form. One or two button. <laughs> oh, I, I I was thinking rodent. I was, I was going for a Cinderella joke. <laughs> <laughs> I had to bring it back to Coco somehow. All right, that's the news for this week. We're expecting a lot more Septandi stuff. Uh, I did see that Mark has updated me in a whole bunch of trade shows that are coming up over the next couple months. So I'll start adding those in the news in the following weeks so hey. that people have warnings about them. My Septandi video drops tomorrow. You're just doing one? Yeah, mm-hmm. probably just one. <laughs> are, are you and AJ doing any Tandy specific oh, games? Yeah, here? sibling rivalry. Uh... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna co-op the 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 thing, and we're gonna put a little fun uh, a Satandi bumper in front of the next Coco game. Okay, I really hope you guys cover Invaders by Creative Computing because that's a really good cooperative or oh, I think it's cooperative two-player simultaneous. You know, space I have a text file that I'm supposed to write these kind of things down in, so let me do that right now. I think I sent it to you directly before. If I remember well. months ago. <laughs> You might have to run raw mail or something because I think it's uh, cassette based. So tomorrow, uh, look for my video, a deep dive on the X-pad. Oh, cool. I, I can correspond that with what uh, Bill was telling me about his because he's got his running up and up and running again, too. And uh, Mark just provided a link to your and AJ's channel. Yeah, is there a different Aww. one for your stuff? Yeah, I'll put it in myself. Okie dokie. Okay, lots of the news. Nick and I have got five minutes left, so we can hang around for a bit. How will we find the next thing you guys are going to? Is it on Oh, the ICC? 
you can do that on Twitch. Uh, if you go to, uh, what the heck is the name of their channel on Twitch? By the way, Curtis, Sixy was hoping you could explain like Nitrostein in the next six minutes or so. <laughs> Get it, download it, live it. There you go. <laughs> hey, Rick, it looks like you're going to turn into that um, guy that melts. Yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm becoming the Terminator. Yes. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, we done? I think we were done a long time ago. Right. <laughs> yep. I just oh, posted the link on. for the Amigos Retro Gaming channel on Twitch into the chat. So if anybody wants to catch that, which will be covering a lot of retro stuff. There, there, there's people showing collections. There's people showing hardware. There's people showing software. And then there's Nick showing Neutroid again. So if you can't get enough of Nick I'm, and Neutroid, you should I'll join be in. Publishing, publishing the BS. Yeah. Hopefully a lot better than you did this first round. <laughs> I'd like to know if he sells more copies during this show or the other show. Oh, there's a good one. Oh, kind of there might be some Tier City Model now. 1 aficionados in the other channel there because it's it's a general general retro gaming channel. And uh, Nick does include the Model 1-3 version of Neutroid on the CD version. Make up for lost sales. Okay, ready for the outro? Yep. Indeed. This concludes another episode of The Coco Nation, the world's leading live interactive talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things The Coco Nation, visit us on the web at thecoconation.com. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to show at thecoconation.com. The Coco Nation Show would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. The Coco Nation theme song, copyright 2022, D. Bruce Moore, mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. The Coco Nation is over. Join us on the Coco Discord server. Coco forever. Okay, I forgot one announcement uh, as part of the news segment here. So we had an interview scheduled for next week with Mark P. and Charlie from portacoco.com that you guys remember from CocoFest. Uh, due to circumstances beyond their control, they cannot make it next weekend. So it's going to be the following weekend on September the 16th. It's still happening just one week later. So I wanted to mention that for anybody who was going to be showing up next week for that. They're not in Florida, are they? I have no idea where they're. Wow. But he let me know like at the beginning of the week. So... Yeah, if he's in northwestern Florida, they might be yeah. hit by that hurricane stuff. So, and we're still waiting for Doug Masson's recovery for when we're going to reschedule that. Probably won't be till at least October, but uh, that that'll still be happening too. I verified with him and and Glenn both. Okay. Okay. Well, next week. See you all next week. VCF. Bye, everyone. Bye. Be jealous Bye. of all you VCF people Bye. next week, too. But right. See you at VCF Midwest next week. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> That's right.